stayed at the hotel. Did, did they really? Yeah, and just the weirdest requests oh. for like, like pasta at like 11 a.m. But like, that's specific, quite European, though, just like, isn't it? <laughs> I need, uh, and it, and they don't order like we have. You know, you can just order it. Like we have a tablet, or you can call room service. Okay. There's like a million ways to order. Sure. And they send this chubby little bald guy running down through the lobby <laughs> okay. with the AirPods in yeah. on the phone. And he's like, oh my, and I'm like, oh, can I, you know, if I see anybody that looks like that, I'm going to be like, hey, can I help you? <clears throat> and he's just frantically <laughs> breathing heavy, you know. He's like, do you have pasta? <laughs> Of course we have pasta, sir. <laughs> yeah. You know, would you want to come to our like restaurant that's serving lunch right now? I can take <laughs> you there. You can get pasta. He's like, no, no, no. I'm with Romstein and I need pasta, but I need bolognese. And I was like, I mean, whatever. We can fucking make bolognese, right? Uh, but, you know, we don't do takeout. We'll send it to your room. You know, we can, he's like, I tried to order it online. I couldn't do it. And I was like, oh, my God. Just freaking out. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you know, obviously we, we just go to the in-room, the in-room dining department and like we send a fucking bolognese to <laughs> Romstein. And they're like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's so simple. And this dude is like, obviously the helper guy and has yeah. no idea how to fucking do his job. And then he's like, I lost my wallet. And he's like running all over because I lost this wallet. I think I have an idea of how you lost your wallet. Oh, God. It was like one of those like shopping carts rolling down the street where shit's just like falling out. <laughs> will, you, uh, will you bring that up again a little bit more? I think it got moved out when you hopped up. Yeah, and then bring, uh, it to your, like, bring it to your left so that when you turn towards Quam, you can still be heard. Titties? Titties. A little, mm-hmm. little higher? A little higher. A little higher. A little higher. A little higher. There you go. Beautiful. Titties. Around here, we say 3D titties. I was, yeah, I was already educated on 3D titties. Because yeah. ain't nobody like 2D titties. Yeah. <laughs> 2D, 2D? I heard like T-O-O-D-Y. Oh, yeah. I don't know what that means, but I don't care for it. Two-dimensional. Once you've had 3D titties, you can't go back to 2D titties. Mm. Right. Yeah. yeah. 2D titties are for before. Also, if So you basically say, day one. Yeah. And okay. if you say 2D titties, I think about Facts of Life, and then it ruins it a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not trying to have no 2D titties. Girls! 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 2D, no roller skating Stop in the house. Fighting girls. Girls. <laughs> the number of times I say girls, girls to somebody that has this looks at me yep. like, no. what is wrong with you? And I'm like, do you not know? You know what? You not know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they didn't know that fact of life. That's <laughs> Oh, oh, dude, that one goes right between the goalie's legs every time, I bet. Yep, five hole. this? Five hole. That is unbelievable. <laughs> right there for the picking. Uh, well, yeah. What do you say we get down to, to, to the show here? Uh, Charles, we're on libations for everyone, are we not? This is, in fact, that program that you clicked. What do we do on this shit? We do six topics of conversation, six shots. Woo! Uh, often while we're here in the... Um, the uh, beautiful, the classy confines, the classy confines, caverns of Club Caraway. We uh, have a, a rocks glass, so we are certainly drinking more than our fair share. But we take a good, healthy swig with each topic of conversation. And invite you to play along if you are in a safe environment with which to do so. 
Yes. Or if you're listening to this while you're working, drink some coffee. If you're in your car, uh, you can have a road soda. I'm not going to pull you over, but <laughs> someone <laughs> might. <laughs> I, this happened to me last week. There was a there was a huge accident on... Uh, I was kidding, by the way. We're not encouraging yes. you to drink it. I think they only call it a road soda if your kids are in the car. Yeah, there you go. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, well, just as long as your kids aren't in the car. It's got to be two kids. One two kid ki- doesn't okay. count. Yeah, One kid does not count. That's drinking okay. and driving. Got stuck, uh, got stuck on the highway behind a huge accident. And, you know, you're just like, there's nothing you could do. You just give up, turn on some music, or put on a podcast. Is that guy who shit his pants or like a car accident? No, literally a car accident. Oh, I thought you said God's, God's God accident? is stuck on the freeway. God is like, an accident? Is God stuck on the freeway? It <laughs> might a, be. That's Alanis Morissette's worst song. Yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> God stuck on the freeway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor God. Stuck on that freeway. Pull over. Um, and so for a while I was like neck and neck, just inching forward and this dude's next to me and I put on some like kind of rock music so I could try and manufacture some sort of other emotion besides road rage. And I looked over at him and for like, we had made eye contact a couple times cause we we're just neck and neck. <laughs> I looked over and just fucking holds up a Coors Light can and goes like a shrug and just takes oh. a huge swig and puts it back down. I'm like, it's two in the afternoon. I'm equal parts afraid and proud. Does it even count, Cruise Light? Yeah, I mean, you know, kombucha has a higher ABV than that. Right, yeah. I mean, that was my cheat code for case races when I was a young man. What Cruise Light. They'd be like, you motherfucker, pick something else. Yeah. <laughs> God, I did Budweiser for my first one. That was so gross. Yeah. Just Coors, like Coors Light oh. is just, it was the original flavor of La Croix. Yeah. You know, it's beer the, flavor. It's the, the beer seltzer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, we are, uh, we are fortunate enough to be rejoined by one of our favorite guests on this show uh, for episode number two with Mr. Paul Hennessy. Paul, things have kind of changed a little bit since the last time you were on. Uh, what are you up to, my man? Well, the lights just flickered, so I'm not mm-hmm. entirely sure that I'm not down here for I some sort of... I think that's just you, bro. ...weird torture situation. God's off the freeway. Have another sip, dude. <laughs> Have another sip. That's God hopping off the freeway right there. Yeah. <laughs> Every time the light flickers, God hops off the freeway. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm Paul Hennessy. I currently work at Mara Restaurant in the Four Seasons Hotel. Which season is your favorite? I think winter is my favorite season. Nice. Rapid fire. Are you Does allowed that question to? question count? Is that the no. one of the? Yeah, all right, because I wasn't prepped for shot. that. <laughs> my agent didn't give me that. Four of our six no. questions are about the seasons. <laughs> about the seasons. fifth question is about the group, the four yeah. seasons. I, on my first day, I walked in and I was like, I have a cookbook that says there's six seasons. So I feel like your, your information's not accurate. <laughs> Did they say, well, we charge like there's six seasons? For six seasons, it's, yeah. it, there's more. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely more. You gotta pay extra. Uh, how's, the, how's the restaurant been? The restaurant's a. Beautiful place. Yeah. Can confirm. That is this giant monster that is coming together gradually and beautifully. Um, What's the focus on the food for people that are, are listening that haven't, haven't been there and been through? I yet? would say the menu has a Mediterranean focus. Okay. Uh, that's kind of been splattered all over the media lately. You know, you get things like hummus and bob ganoush. Well, you guys you, didn't just do that when I came in? Uh, the, yeah, we did. Oh, that's, you that's got, around. Yeah. You got mm-hmm. menu profiles? Yeah. <laughs> it tested well. Yes. <laughs> Tonight's theme is a Lebanese theme uh, in honor of Charles Awad. Uh, no, the uh, 
definitely Mediterranean leaning. Um, but a lot of cool local products as well. You know, Wild Acres Chicken, which if you haven't met Pat from Wild Acres, Amazing. I highly recommend that you have an encounter with him. He's this like burly brick building of a man who like runs this farm in Pequot Lakes and raises these like beautiful, amazing chickens. And he's very proud of them. He'll come in there and order his chicken medium rare. He comes in and he'll like quiz the staff. Where's this chicken from? And if they get it mm. wrong, he just like yeah. nails them to the wall. <laughs> I think it's so. And if you shake his hand, his hands are basically the size of like jack-o'-lanterns. It's just. Well, that's saying something for, for you because we have similar sizes. Yeah, hands. I have big hands. And I get a hand hug every time yep. from that guy. His hand that's is the size of one of his chickens. Just, yeah, yeah, big chicken-sized hands. <laughs> yeah. uh, chickens and ducks and turkeys and yeah. pheasants. That's, that's his gig. Their okay. ducks and, are absolutely incredible. Yeah, you know, beautiful birds. I recommend meeting that guy if you like getting scared on the regular. I'm into it. I always love feeling it like physically intimidated because it doesn't happen all that often. Yeah. But like exactly. I, I remember I shook Jerome Bettis's hand and my hand disappeared. Like I just couldn't. It was just the wrist and then it was gone. And then he like let go and he's shorter than me. I'm like, how did anybody ever get the ball out of your hands? Did you think about the fact that he's named the bus <laughs> and then just look at him in the eyes and go, oh, I get it. <laughs> oh, but of course. That's why. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, butter course. We should have a butter course. We should have like, a butter course. After the cheese course, you have a butter course. That's a great idea. Just dude. eat it. I would eat at that restaurant. Fuck yeah. 100%. Let's get it. We don't need a little butter. Butter is very noise. popular right now. As you ever eat butter as cheese? Have you ever done that? Like if you get really, really great butter. And you just I'm like, Lebanese, man, and you, like, Lebanese people will just like, Put like mounds of butter on, on pastries and flatbread and allegedly yes. Allegedly. But you just take like a loaf of flatbread and just put a half pound of of butter on it and roll it up and eat it like cold butter. It doesn't have to be yeah. melted. So yes. So like a lefsa. Yeah, that's. I used to do that. Effectively, with, so yeah. yeah. I used to do that Very with lefsa all the time. Right. Take cold yeah, yeah. butter and then yeah. roll it up, and then you get these little hunks of salty butter. Like goodness. Who do you think? Like, was it? Is there theft there, or is this just like a commonality of? The beauty of those grains. I feel like, like starch and fat is a pretty solid combo everywhere you just go. Just, yeah. I mean, like the flatbread concept, like the unleavened flatbread, with like the the beauty of just like great terroir-driven dairy, right? Sure. Like when you get butter that's like from a place, mm -hmm. as opposed to like commercial butter. Yep, it's so distinct and so perfect. And you add, I mean, other than salt, do you actually need to add anything? No, right? mm -mm. And the salt is just to your preference, right? I even like just mediocre butter. It's not as good as good butter, but butter's yeah. good. Butter's good to eat. Love butter. Butter's good, man. No, I want butter, Paul. Let's get. Well, uh, as a matter of fact, I brought a stick of butter for each of you. <laughs> We're just gonna unwrap yep. it and eat it like a as fucking a gift Snickers to my friends. <laughs> a cube of, of it in butter. your glass. Yeah. yeah, that's an old Irish tradition. Uh, bulletproof but whiskey, butter and anyway? coffee. Yeah. That's uh, that's a Scandinavian thing. Bulletproof whiskey. Yeah. To tell stories and sing songs with your friends. Once you're into your cups, you <laughs> give them a stick of butter. <laughs> I can't wait to just ask people that in a couple months when I'm there. <laughs> I hope you do. Just like, I'll just go buy some, like, some butter at the store, then wait for somebody to get a little out of hand and be like, I got this for you. <laughs> you know what to do, right? Paul told me. 
Oh my god. When I was like a younger person, I had this like dream of going to Europe and I was always concerned about like my Americanness, you know, mm-hmm. and I wanted to like shed my American tag as soon as the mm-hmm. I like stepped foot. And so I was like, I'm just going to like sew a Canadian flag patch on my backpack mm-hmm. and just like dress in some sort of extreme way like Hawaiian shirt and cowboy hat, just handing out ketchup packets or something insane <laughs> to like just push me as far away from the American label as possible. And then I realized it's like probably the most American thing you could yep. come up with. I think I've seen that guy. That guy goes out to the bars every Saturday. Yep. You know what I mean? I've served him a Red Bull and vodka like a <laughs> hundred times. And that dude is always at the Eiffel Tower in France with a giant map completely unfolded and like eight children just screaming in every direction. Oh. Every single time I've been there, that, that guy is always there. <laughs> From like across the courtyard, you can just see like the loudest shirt, some stupid fucking hat. Like socks pulled up and then either like a boot situation or like a white New Balance situation. My favorite part is that he has eight children. Has the to. fact that you created eight more of yep. that. Yep. Like, please think about what it is you are seasoning the pot with <laughs> before you start sprinkling that shit around. <laughs> honestly, I mean, I know it's a melting pot. The I, milk's I get gone it. It's bad. a melting pot. But some butter is hard to churn. You yeah, you're just making it harder to churn. That's what you're doing. And I, that's unfortunate. Sounds like that guy churned a lot of butter, actually. He did. He churned an yeah. awful lot. And good for him. Yeah. Right? God. Maybe. Ugh. Yeah. He took no sleep till Brooklyn, literally. Yeah. You gotta, I mean, it's, it takes a special talent to go to another country and ruin monuments for all cultures. Yeah, that guy's God never got off the freeway. Yep. Right? <laughs> still, still on there. He's, yeah. <laughs> He's just singing Life is a Highway. <laughs> Jesus was like, I said I'd take the wheel. I thought for a second. He's like, no, Jesus. I'm driving. <laughs> you got to drive now, man. I'm drunk. <laughs> Your dad can't even get off the freeway. <laughs> you see what I did there? <laughs> Very clever. Very clever. Paul, what are we sipping on? Uh, this is rye whiskey from the Valentine Distillery. That's Which right. is super confusing because the label says Mayor Pingree. Yep. Which I have no idea what that has to do with at all. Sounds like a British sitcom in the 80s. Yeah. It sounds like a character <laughs> in Monopoly that you could possibly <laughs> yeah. be or the Monopoly guy himself. Right. Mayor Pingree and Greg Valentine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the rye whiskey is pretty tasty, and I was at 1010. Uh, I don't know if you noticed last night, but we had a hurricane for about three seconds at 9 p.m. yesterday. I've so, heard. Concerts were evacuated at our uh, Minnesota State Fair. Yeah. Uh, we were inside. <clears throat> so uh, there, there was a post on Reddit with a, a plane was coming into to MSP Terminal 1, and there was a lightning storm going on, and all you could see in the background were the glass panels from U.S. Bank just going absolutely apeshit. And the guy thought, like, that a giant transponder had blown up. And that's what it was watching. They're like, nope, that's just a, just a metal show, just German metal. I imagine if you were at a Ramstein concert and you saw lightning, you would just think it was part of the show. We had no idea. <laughs> right. Literally, none if of us had any idea. We walked out, it. and it was just like rivers of water in every direction, and mm. everything was completely empty. So clearly, like, the storm was gnarly, but we had no clue. It was, there was so much going on. Yeah, the higher your pyrotechnics budget, the less concern for lightning you tend to have, right? Mm -hmm. Unless you're at like a white snake show in like a garage 
or whatever. Yeah, that that show last night made a Kiss show look like a French indie film. It was so like there was just too much to look at. Like a cotillion where they just all yeah. come down the stairs and yes. announce. Each and other. then the draw for a lot of people. Yeah, I I don't know. I I texted you in the middle of it. Like I I'm mm-hmm. still. I have a lot to like process with that. There was some stuff where I don't know. And I, I know that I'm a cynical person when it comes to our culture here in America, but I don't know how many people were in on the parody or were in on the joke at that show last night. There were some very problematic gestures during a few of the songs. and uh, Problematic yeah. gestures? That pretty much sums up like a yeah. brief version of our history i i i mean truly i almost left i i just felt the whole thing was very very strange and then like the first chunk they were like distinct chunks throughout it was very much like a theater show and after the first chunk all of the lighting and all of the art changed and then it was a lot everything got like the tension got a lot looser and there was a little bit less of that shit going on i always thought if we were talking about first chunk that we'd be describing like how Goonies had now become a musical and was touring Broadway, <laughs> and then all the other chunks were just referred to as second chunk and right. third right. chunk. The first because chunk only the, chunk the can be chunk. first chunk. Yeah. But we're obviously not. Like, <laughs> dreams Mama Fratelli. Like, Mama Fratelli. <laughs> I'm still fleshing out <laughs> okay. some of the numbers. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I have like, oh, yeah, I guess I, I didn't bring a Casio to, to this recording, and I apologize. <laughs> Well, guys, let's guess. get a. Why don't we get off the fucking freeway here and uh, drink some whiskey? Yeah, yeah I like that. Get into the business. All right, well, yeah. fucking cheers, cheers big ears. Oh, cheers, big ears. Shout out to Dirty Fingers. Shout out to the dirtiest fingers. Am I first? I might be first. You are. Well, well, well. All right, Annecy. Hennessy, Hennessy. What's a uh, what's a service pet peeve of yours? And it doesn't have to be something like while you're working. It's just something about um, what people do in bars or restaurants that make you say, "Please stop." Like pet peeve pertaining specifically to restaurants. Yeah, just in yeah. in that environment, restaurants yeah. or bars, a thing that people do that you wish they would not do as much of. Do you mean from the guest no, standpoint, I, I or from the staff, I, or either? Whatever. Okay. Mostly patrons, yeah. yeah. Observing the yeah, actions I mean, I, of patrons. I tend to like identify the pet peeves from patrons more distinctly because those are the things that I need to like take ownership over yeah. in order to be better at what I consider my profession. So, you know, when it comes to like coworkers and things like that, it's mostly just recognizing that I can't have the same expectation of standards that I hold for myself out of everybody that I work with. Um, I think the, the, the pet peeve for uh, the, um, the diner, the diner, the guest. I like the diner. Is, yeah, the diner. Um, diner. It's, it's, it's not like... Uh, it, like it, kindness is not expected, right? Like, right. I don't expect you're there, you're paying, you want to eat. You know, you have expectations of pacing, and you have expectations of consumption and fun. But but if you're not there to have fun, like specifically fun, mm, right? Right? It's like almost like if you're not open, because I do feel, and and I have talked about this before. I do feel like. 
hospitality is a like mutual exchange of unconditional love, right? Yeah. I'm going to bring you the best things that I have to bring you. I'm going to bring you the happiest things that I have to bring you. And I'm going to try to bring you all the things that I feel like you want at a value that I feel like you'll feel content with. If I could give it to you all for free, I would. Yeah. Like, honestly, the best scenario would be like, you can just have this. No strings attached. Right. Obviously, there are some strings because you have to pay for goods and services, right? Chicken is not cheap. I think it's the idea that you're going to walk into that situation where I didn't invite you. You know, I sent no invites. You showed up. You chose it. You, you left your home, parked your car, and walked in. And then you closed the door on me. That, to me, is the most difficult like, sure. thing to work around because I, I want to give you something great, and you are not open to it because you had to wait in traffic or you know, you're running behind for your reservation. And it's like these are all things that no one cares. You know. Do you think it factors in that, that when people maybe don't feel like they're in control of their lives, that they want to control someone else? Like the, I desire a servant to make me feel better about the things I can't control in my world? I mean, I think like... Not everybody, but... People's experience with being served is so... It's a complex experience, right? Because you could feel entitled to be served and still be kind about it. And you can also feel like, oh, it's weird that you're serving me and still be like... Have some expectations. Yeah, mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, it wasn't that good. You know, it's kind of like going into a restaurant and being like, oh, it wasn't that good, it, to me is the same as going to like a comedy show and be like, yeah, that guy sucked. And it's like, you didn't get up there. Yep. You didn't cook any food. You have a stove at your house. You have pans and plates. At the very least, you have Chef Mike and like a bowl. Yeah. Right? You can make your own food. You can feed yourself. You chose not to. Yeah, if it's just about sustenance alone. You know, like you could at least cook something. And you chose not to. You went out and you want to spend money. Yeah. I mean, hospitality and hostility are diametrically opposing. And there was that recent think piece that I actually didn't take the time to read, even though everyone was reposting it until you reposted it. What's a what's that account called? Green something? You know, you know what I'm talking about? The, that effectively said that hospitality is the responsibility yeah, 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 of both yeah. parties. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I just, I saw it pass by a bunch of times and I was like, yeah, okay. But I saw you repost it and I was like, I have to read this. And effectively what it said, and it was, it's often like the most obvious truths are not that obvious, but mm-hmm. it was like stated so clearly that it was like, why doesn't anyone state it in those terms? But what she was saying was um, hospitality is a mutual engagement. And it's a lot of what you're saying right. presently and things that I've heard you say before about how the guest isn't bringing a hospitable nature to a restaurant or bar, then why would they expect hospitality in return? That's right. so salient. But I also think, okay, I love that like thought process, but at the same time, I, I, I continue back to the root of this like idea that the Latin word for hospice 
refers to the host, the guest, and the stranger. Right? So there's actually three people involved in this transaction. Mm, that's kind of amazing. And so uh, when I speak to, like, new employees at the Four Seasons, when they have their, like, uh, they call it Embark, but they're training. With Papa P? Uh, I, exactly. You, <laughs> Ben, wandered into one one time. It was pretty great. Uh, my, my, I don't want to say message, but, like, the thing that I want to say is you count. You matter, right? Like, the fact that you got up and showed up for work, like, let's forget that someone gets paid and someone is paying. You take all that away. You showed up, willing to serve. That, for me, is the baseline of perfect. That's what, uh, that's what we need in this world for everything, for every profession. I mean, imagine if you apply that to police or, you know, the mayor or the president or, I mean, anyone, really. Yeah, any field. Just to show up, ready to serve with no strings attached. That's what we need. Yeah, taking, taking pride in the job you do, not just uh, doing it in exchange for and then, compensation. To consider the stranger, right? The other person in this transaction that, like, you don't make any money off the stranger. You know, you make money off the guest, and I understand why that's important. And you're the host, so I understand why that's important. But that person who's, like, walking around, feeling uncomfortable, maybe a little bit lost, like our uh, Ramstein friend who lost his wallet. <laughs> it's, uh, for some it, reason, that whole story is funnier in a German accent. <laughs> for sure. I've already named him Gunther. Yeah. Do you have pasta? We need pasta. How many times have I told you about Salazar? <laughs> it's, like, it's those types of things. But those are the people that we can't forget, right? Yeah. Those, those people that you have no business being kind to and have no reason to wait on or care about, that's... That's the thing that completes the whole package, right? When, when I think about, like, with great service, we can change the world. And changing those interactions one person at a time, just making eye contact and showing somebody where the bathroom is. How many times have you been at a restaurant and you felt uncomfortable because you weren't sure where the bathroom is? Right. Life-changing. And, for, you guys, for the, and you guys have, like, a really... Oddly hidden one. Unless we have a wildly it. complex Willy yeah. Wonka bathroom situation. <laughs> <laughs> First time I went to your bathroom, I was like, oh, I work here now? Yeah. <laughs> go behind. <laughs> For the record, you yeah. have to go behind the You're not the sure if, like, stand. the Indiana Jones plane's going to take off. Right. There'll just be a map with, like, dots <laughs> to your yeah. next destination. <laughs> exactly. Our, yeah. All of a sudden, Charles is just working the hotline. <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. Hey, man, you flush yeah. that toilet. You got to earn that water back. Yep. Fire Baba Ganoush. Yeah, that hummus needs more garlic, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Just yell we. Yeah. That's all I can tell you if you're back there is yell we. Or if wow. somebody calls out a dish, just call it back. <laughs> ain't no calling back, girl. Because <laughs> I ain't no calling back, girl. <laughs> oh, it's so dumb, Oof. but so beautiful. <laughs> exactly. It was so dumb. Like, I want to, like, call my dad and apologize, but I don't want to do it in the middle of our <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> Heard, chef, and yep. two pork chops. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. Uh, how quickly would you get walked out? Dear the Bear season two. I have uh, an idea. Cross We've got a pitch. It's got oh, some fuck. bumps in it, but I think we can yeah. whisk them out. Uh, I think we can figure that out. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Good Lord. Come on, what do you got? Yeah. Uh, I th- Are we so- on question two? 
That's question one, baby. Question oh. one. The oh, season, that was just, <laughs> which is your favorite we're season? Like, that's, already that's bonus content, son. Fire. That's okay. for the Patreon. Let's do it. Uh, I, on the service side, I just have to say this because it happened again. I really dislike when, uh, when they use collective pronouns when servers come up, like, and how are we enjoying our food today? Are we really having a good time with it? Are we thirsty for more? Are we, I just don't oh, like okay. it. Like you're, if you're not um, a, like on that side, of the I know it's trying to be like inclusive and bring me in. I understand the point of it. It just really makes it uncomfortable. Like, unless you're going to sit down with us, which please do, if you're able to, unless you are drinking or eating with us, it just drives me crazy. And I don't know if it's like the grammar nerd in me, but I don't, I don't like it because it just feels weird and disingenuous. Ugh. But that's a, it's a personal thing, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I don't like the enjoying part. Yeah. I'm unapologetically <laughs> delivering you food. It's yeah. good. Yeah. This I is know good it's good. <laughs> I'm not going to be like, are we enjoying? No, you are enjoying. Well, and... Enjoy it. The restaurant that I was at... You want to go back to your kids? <laughs> yes. I can make that happen. The restaurant that I was at... I was at because of proximity to an event that I was working. So I didn't have enough time to be choosy and I wasn't expecting a ton, but food came out and it was clearly pre-made and then thrown in probably chef Mike to heat up. And then it came out and it was still like, like hard and cold in the middle. It was supposed to be lasagna. And, uh, and he comes out and he's like, and how is our food? Are we enjoying it? And I was like, well, we think it's pretty cold and we feel like if we're (laughs) eating it together, you might've noticed that. And he just looked at me. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, this is still like frozen, and I don't have enough time for this. So, I'm. Do you mind just taking it off the bill, and I'm just going to leave? And he's like, Well, no, we can get you something else. And I'm like, Honestly, I had time to order one thing. It didn't come out well. I'm not mad. I'm not going to leave like a terrible review. But the fact that food came out completely cold, and we're still, we are. Are we enjoying it? Like, it just it bothered me, and I don't know why why that sticks with me, but it really drives me crazy. Should have offered him a bite. I should have been like, like, are we? Are we? Are, are we enjoying we? it? Uh, but for the... for are the we? <laughs> <laughs> Eat it! But uh, on the... the ice shards? <laughs> on the it's guest... Freezer yeah, exactly. Yeah. On the guest side, uh, this is like a PSA to everyone out there listening. Please, if you have people in your family or your friend group or your coworkers who do the thing where they want something else and they grab anybody that they think is working there and tell them to get it for them, I, I absolutely fucking hate that. I think it's just so pig-headed. Like, I'm, I care so little about all of you. Frantic wave down? Yep, that I'm not even going to, like, I recently was out with, with some people that are close to me and we had some relatives with, and there was a very young person, I would assume probably 16 or 17, nervously just refilling pitchers. And one of the older people at our table decided that they wanted to put in another order for food and just started shouting food items at this poor kid. And he had no idea what was going on. Or, and it was like trying to say, let me go get your server. And then her response to that was, well, you can't do this yourself. And then, like, looked back at us, like, check out this guy. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. And so I got up and went and found our server and explained what had happened and personally apologized to that kid and, like, had, like, a somewhat irritated teaching moment at the table. Like, just stop doing that. And if you see somebody, don't be like, I don't want to make it uncomfortable. Make it fucking uncomfortable for them because they're the aggressor and they're making it uncomfortable for somebody that you don't know. 
have enough strength to shut that person up and say, please don't do that again. I mean, that kid just inherited a 16-table section. Exactly, exactly. previous 15-table yep. section. And, like, I mean, this dude, you know? he had a water pitcher, and he was using two hands. Like, you know what kind of nerves are going on and how new somebody is if they're pouring a water with two hands. You know, like, that's just, it, I don't know. That, thi- that thing, and it goes to the root of what you were just talking about. That person did not come in there hoping for a wonderful experience. That person went in there to clap their hands twice and have, quote-unquote, servants for a day so that they could boss them around. It's okay to say, I can't help you, you know? Or or even to say, like, I want to help you, but I need to find the right person or have the right answer brought to you. Like, it's... I think also at that age, that's, I mean, yes, I hope they feel empowered enough that they can yeah. do that in their own time. But, like, I don't know a whole lot of kids that age that would be able to do that to, like, anyone. I guess I'm just hoping that some kids that age are listening. Yeah. And they hear that you are empowered to say no. Just, like, don't be angry yep. that you're saying no. Yep. It, We've all it's been, okay to say no. We've all been in a position where you're not given space to speak. It almost sounds like maybe it was one of those situations. Yeah, that, where, that was like, it. Like, it was just not, there wasn't words a, on top of words on top of words. And right. he was clearly trying to say something back nervously, and she just bulldozed him. Sure, because we've all been in a situation where we don't know who's who, and we say, hey, can, can we make our order? But really what we're asking is, are, are you able are you to take your or is someone else? <laughs> are you my dad? Are you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's it. not exactly, but yeah, very much. It's like, because it, it can get murky, right? You're in a restaurant. Someone's pouring you water. Someone's bringing you plates. Someone's, you At know, the beginning especially, right? Yeah. Showing you meats. But you're just like, how do I order? Yeah. And it's just Pat, I mean, I think though. Like, Pat's just walking around with the chicken. You know? <laughs> I do. I do. Feel do you know like, where this is from? <laughs> are you not sure? Look at these. Uh, look at these hands. Look at my meats. I thought they were strong. I do think that restaurants do make it weird also, yeah. right? Like, especially when we did that pivot to counter service for COVID. Oh, God. And then people yeah. would be just, like, upset that you didn't figure it out. And you're like, you changed the rules, dude. <laughs> like, you move if you the change maze. the rules, you have to explain the right. rules when people walk in. <laughs> restaurants so did go, like, I full I mean, it's called a host people. stand, and most places <clears throat> have it. Yep. And that person typically explains the rules of the game. Yep. But if you didn't think about the host stand, a.k.a. the most underrated position in the entire restaurant. Hands down, preach. They're the greatest. Yep. The host stand is the, it's the maitre d' is the number one, like the best. It's, it's like and I know some like amazing, like outrageously amazing maitre d' people that will like blow yeah, your mind. Absolutely. But if you, if you don't have that and you have a counter service, or, uh, you know, just some, like, weird, like, those food hall things. Like, tell them what's up. Yep. That's your job. Look them in the eye and be like, hey, we've got these weird cards you plug in. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, they turn into money. So go get whatever you want, and then we'll just charge a card at the end and have a great day. Like, it's really not hard. <laughs> but the first time I went to a food hall, I was like, I, is this their toll booth or like, do I, th- you know what I mean? Do I, do you need cash? Do you need cards? What is it exactly that you think, you know? I'm just going to pull everything out of my wallet and hand it all to you. How does this work? Because otherwise I'm going to steal food. Yep. It, my, I'm, com- <laughs> I'm compelled to steal from you because you've not 
put the safeguards in place for me to not steal food. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yes. Charles, what about you? Oh, sorry. No, that was it. What about you, Charles? Uh, I'm, I'm going to just say, for someone who loves dad jokes and pondery as much as I do, uh, knowing that people who work in service hear the same jokes so many times, it's just, I can't help but roll my eyes when you hear oh God. someone say, um, you know, oh, what, what would you like? And they're ready to take the order and say, oh boy, everything looks so good. We'll just take the whole menu. Like how many times? What a knee snapper. Or, you know, um, as you can see, we didn't like anything and the plates are all clean. <laughs> like, that's, that's just, just humor is good, but, like, try some original material. You can make an original, you can coin a dad joke. Just don't use the same dad joke as everybody else. Uh, and then, you know, this is, that's a quick hitter. I'm also just going to pivot um, because I don't think we'll ever ask a question that revolves around this. But very recently, I've been... Uh, I've been really annoyed by how influencers always have to point out that they got something for free. Like that's the important part of the information that they're providing. They always have to tell you that what they had was, was given to them or they were invited to an exclusive opportunity. If you're listening to this and you're an influencer, that's not the important part for the person that is in your audience. And also I don't think that the uh, restaurant or bar that you're at necessarily appreciates it either. You're, you're giving this message that, like, maybe you can get something free for t- yep. free as well. Or you're also making it seem like a disingenuous um, transaction. Like, I'm only like, saying nice things because they gave this to me for free. Yeah, if it's not uh, an yeah. ad and someone gave yep. you a free drink, then don't go out of your way. Like, f- the first sentence is, uh, they gave me this free drink, and it was really good. Well, okay, you just wiped out everything you said after that yep. in terms of whether anyone believes you that the, the thing you were served was any good. I just... I'm not a fan of it. I wanted to like Photoshop a uh, cardboard sign guy <laughs> for that one. I was like, just stop telling everyone you got it for just free. Just tell me it was good. I don't care by which way you came across that product. Just you, tell me if you enjoyed it and, and whatever else you want to describe about it. You are more knowledgeable in this field than I am. Do, is that, is that a, a true thing across the country or is that handcuffed to Minnesotans innate need whenever something is complimented on to then tell them that they got a deal on it. Like, oh, I think it's just, if you say like, Hey, that's a really nice coat. Like I know, but I got it for like 50% off. Like that is very oh, much I a cultural thing that we do here. Yeah. I think that's a little different. Cause when, you know, my, my mom will always tell you what she paid and what it costs, yep. even though it costs what you paid. But the thing that I see some influencers do is, use that as an opportunity to um, seemingly, or at least in their mind, generate clout. Like, oh, for sure. I'm a big deal, so I sometimes get stuff for free. But I was just wondering, see is you that having something, a good time? That's good enough. Do you see influencers outside of the community here doing that as well? I don't really okay. follow enough influencers. to. Right. I'm, I'm guessing yes. I mean, every week you see a hilarious story come out, which I love reading for the drama about someone who loses their mind over not getting a... You feel like three dollar sandwich for free in Spain. Yeah, whatever yeah. that guy did Somebody a couple weeks ago should be saying that they're not qualified to evaluate if they get it for free. Like, <laughs> yeah. my thought process is like, if you got it for free, then you don't know the street value, so you can't actually <laughs> tell me whether right. the thing you had is good. Of course, it's good if it's free. Yeah, right. 
best pizza most is free of the pizza. time. Mo- most of the time, right? Like most of the time. There was definitely like a chili wrestling opportunity in Thunder Bay, Canada that I came across <laughs> where it was totally free, and I was like. Hey, I don't on, know that on, I would on, say that. I don't that want, this I don't is, want him to expound. <laughs> I don't want. Don't know. Okay, all right. Okay. We'll save that for three because just Man. hearing that alone. <laughs> you you had me at chili wrestling, yeah, Paul. No, and you knew then you like, added okay, Thunder right, Bay, right. which for sure is both a place in Canada and yep. absolutely a Hulk Hogan movie that never got made. And if chili my high school friends Scott Heiza or Ryan McLean are listening, this is a good time to turn off <laughs> this podcast. Thunder Bay Chili Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to tell this story regardless because it's worthwhile. Uh, and I think it derives a certain point. Yeah. Uh, I went to Thunder Bay, Canada, as many of us Duluthians do as a sort of rite of right passage. passage. Like the, and once you turn 18, everything that isn't legal in the United States is legal in Canada. Yeah, baptism by thunder. Yeah. And no one calls Duluth it is like basically <laughs> Canada. Like we're so close to Canada. So we cruised up there, and we did all, like, the dumbest mm-hmm. things that you can do in Thunder Bay that I won't touch on. But we went into this bar that I, I couldn't even tell you the name. It was, you know, Wild Cats or, you know, Wild Stallions Saloon or whatever. And it was this awkward, like, middle of the day time. It was, like, 3.45. And they were pulling these plastic kiddie pools out. And they were, they said, swear to God, it was like two guys that were sliding shirts across the floor. That say security on them. And, they're, and, and so we're like, what? Like, it was like the kiddie pools came out, and I was like thinking water, right? Yeah. And I was like, what is going to happen? And then they, why? They bring out the like big cans of Hormel chili. You open, you know, like the kitchen ones? Yeah. And they open them and they're pouring them into the pool. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> Like, what exactly? Is there like a, I ate the kiddie pool of chili and I got the t-shirt yeah. situation? Yeah. Which I'm not there for. And we're, we're at this bar and my friend uh, Ryan is like flirting with the bartender. And we're like, we, I am like, I don't know if we have to go or yeah. if we should stay. So I'm not going to say anything. Yep. I'm silent at this point. Because, you know, Ryan is doing well and... Nothing has happened other than two kiddie pools full of chili. And then <laughs> this, guy, this guy in, like, a, a gross suit is the only way I can say it. Sure. But like, menswear that's kind of been used a lot yeah. comes out. And then two ladies come out, and he's on this microphone, and he's like, if you want to sign up to wrestle, come on up now. Kind of like how bingo starts or, like, trivia starts, except the weirdest Fucking thing that I could think <laughs> of chili, starts yeah. at yeah. like four thirty. Not how many like people ran up to the sign up sheet? Like, what it's like old people eat dinner at four thirty. <laughs> <laughs> My grandma could have came to this event. She do we, didn't. Do, do we want to do this late night? No, man. No, four thirty. No, no, happy hour, baby. Canada, that's the yeah, target yeah. demo. I don't know. Hashtag happy hour, <laughs> right? And so we had drank like a lot. For 4.30, and my friend Scott was like 68% convinced. We were like, you have to do this. This is your moment. And he's like, I don't know, you guys. I don't know. I was like, no, no, no. This is the thing. Like, this is the moment. This is the thing. You don't know it. Yeah. I I gave him, like, the 
Varsity Blues speech. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That was like, yeah, this is our time. Into the our chili. time. Yeah. Uh, and we got, you know, he was like most <laughs> of the way there. It did not happen. He did not wrestle in Chile. Oh, man. Yeah. Boo. But did it happen? Chili did, wrestling? The chili wrestling did happen. Okay. We did not participate. Kwame and I were the other night having a cigar in my yard and talking about how much we love Mr. Shokin. Can you please confirm that to start the match, someone yelled, let's get sloppy! Let's get sloppy! <laughs> and you just see... See, you should have just been feeding Scott Ryan Cokes with maple syrup backs and get so, him, like, all buzzed up on sugar yeah, and booze. Right. That was a situation where I did not participate, but I could properly evaluate the value of it. <laughs> yes, right? yes, To yes. bring it back to your point, Charles, and I apologize, and I appreciate that you'd sit through a ridiculous Anyone close enough like was participating, let's but be like, honest. But, like, not... Being involved in the whole cost benefit, you can't be like, this is awesome. <laughs> I agree. Unless you're in Thunder Bay, Canada, and two kiddie pools of chili pop out. As somebody who has both emceed and refereed a midget wrestling match nope. with you as a witness, Paul, uh, <laughs> let me just tell you, that's even over the line for me. The room temperature canned chili. I can like I can just smell that like yeah. halfway between chili and dog food yeah. just permeating. And everybody the place. was excited about it. <laughs> like everyone was like, "Heck yeah!" And I was like, "Oh gosh, what? heck yeah, let's yeah. go there." Oh, sorry, I can't wait. No, they were they no they were strap ravenous. on the pads they, and blades, yeah, Hennessy. Yeah, we're yeah. going in there. Strap on the elbow pads and the headgear, eh? We're going. <laughs> Did did any did you I'm stick coming around? for your top row, bud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> Tarps optional, boys. Yeah, and Let's take them the off. That was the gals that were waiting to wrestle. That that wasn't us. Did yeah. you stick around long enough to see if somebody tried to pay to eat the chili afterwards? No, I w- we we had to leave because of the <laughs> not participate. Like <laughs> the friend who uh, was going to participate was like, no, he, he was too embarrassed after that because we shamed him for not going. Um, listen, you can't just let your pal leave glory on the table like that, can you? Would you let Rocky walk away from that Not championship at that belt? Not at that Would age. Would you be like, no, you're fighting Apollo again. You'll never live that down yeah. at that age. And then Apollo, in turn, was like, you have to fight Mr. T again. <laughs> again. That's what friends do. Yeah. They make the end of Rocky happen. Uh, and for the listeners out for there. For the second one and the third <clears> one. I, I do acknowledge that that is a weird term to say midget wrestling, but we did have a discussion with the two gentlemen that were the wrestlers, Puppet and Justice, and they both confirmed that that was both the name of their company and their preferred term for things. Okay. So I'm going to go with their their nomenclature on that. I, I, I just the I do just want to make sure that, that we're good out there. Uh, two actually really incredible human beings who took an incredible amount of staples and glass to the face. Uh, for the enjoyment Ooh, of 500 very weird decision yeah that was now that is mostly referred to as minis but yep. uh yes some individuals do still refer to it we had that was that was part of the talk that we had before we went out there it was it was one of the most surreal 10 minutes of my life was them going through what was going to happen and what was going to be seen and were we comfortable with everything and then these are the terms that we would like you to use these are the names that we want you to call us by when we're out there, and this is where we go from there. And so... And that is how we identify champions. Yes, yes. <laughs> they were both winners that night. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll tee up our next shot, Quam, if you want to ask. Yeah, let's do that. Um, the next topic. All right. Uh, Paul, we all have dogs and cats in our household here. Okay. Uh, what about each of them do you identify with 
Or what about each of them? Are you like, this is what drives me crazy? Ooh. Like there's, there's parts of both that I definitely am like, oh, yeah, that's me. Oh, in your own pet? Yeah. Huh. That's, uh, that's so curious because I don't know. Well, and if you want to boot that, we can definitely go around. Yeah. Let's, let's like, for fund. me, okay, so for me, uh, I love, I will always be a dog person because I crave affection the same way that my dog does. Like, there's nothing better than when she comes running to the door when I've had a really long day, especially if I had to drive home in, in traffic. And if my wife gets home before I do, she'll leave the front door open and we have like a glass patio door. And she'll leave the, the actual front door open. And Millie will sit there and wait for me to get home. And the minute I get out of my car, I can see her butt scooting side to side because her tail is wagging so much. And by the time I'm up the stairs, she's pawing at the door, freaking out and barking like, Dad, come here. Let me say hi. And like, I walk in. She licks my face. We play for a little bit. And then she goes back and lays down. That I identify in myself all of the time. Like, okay. I, I get so excited when I'm doing something with people that I love or I'm about to see somebody. Lots of hugs, lots of laughing, lots of physical affection. That's, that's where I'm at. Uh, for Harold, my, uh, my cat, Harold is all about the naps and all about stretching out wherever it's cool. This motherfucker lays down in front of the air conditioning vents and passes out for like four or five hours at a time. Yeah. And were there air conditioning vents <clears throat> that were big enough to basically cover my entire body, I, I like would I've sleep in front of them. Do <laughs> yeah. that before. I, I mean, back in the day when we had our old yeah. uh, apartment at the it Pinnacle. It was like one of those windowsill air conditioners. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, when, when we had our old house, I put the AC vent directly <laughs> behind where I sat on the couch because there was nothing better than on a hot summer day laying there and having that cold air just blowing on you. And when I see him stretch out and do that, I'm like, I get it, bro. I would 100% do that. Sleeping on hard floor, don't care. I'm right in front of the AC vent on a hot summer day. That's what the fuck I'm talking about. I love that. <laughs> I just want to say that our next beverage. Uh, yes, and let's do Oh, cheers. yeah, yeah. Before Somebody we go to... brought this to me, and it's uh, illegal. Mezcal. Is Allegedly. The, is the name on the label. And I know you guys talk about Mezcal a lot on this podcast, and I bet you get to drink like a lot of really great Mezcal on this podcast. Uh, and I thought I'd just bring one that is just only for like the stupidest reason possible. And it's because I needed to be able to come here and say leopard. <laughs> <laughs> Illegal leopard. <laughs> for like no reason at all. Other than to say like I could not resist it. Is there a reason for this? <laughs> it's it's, it's an old, yeah, it's an old Chappelle show bit oh. that Paul and I seized on. Why don't I remember that? It's from the third season when he quit the show. And, and then came back. And Charlie Murphy and Donnell Rollins uh, put out like the sketches that they had finished. Yeah. Right. And uh, the the leopard thing became because at the time when when the groups of older women were going out hunting for some younger men, the cougars were on the prowl. Oh, okay. The animal prints were very in, and so that would always be like when the group of women would come in, all done up with lots of hairspray, and then like leggings that were very revealing in animal prints. It was always a hey, leopard. <laughs> it was fucking. 
<laughs> oh man, that was illegal leopard. Illegal leopard. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, that had to be recorded, yep. and now it is. You're <laughs> oh, welcome. There buddy. it is for the illegal so mezcal. That's why the mezcal. Well, came. let's cheers to uh, this so delicious mezcal. Cheers to yeah, the illegal cheers, yes. mezcal. This is a reposado. So I had not seen many reposado Ooh. mezcal. That's a lot sweeter than I thought it would be. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you're no. You're that's not the reposado. That's it for sure. That is it. Yeah. Uh, who's going next? You I got mean, something, Hennessy? Why don't you jump in? I'd like to hear more about your animals. Okay, okay. Uh, there, there. I, I sort of feel like my personality is in between, in betwixt my two uh, furry friends. Lucky is my shadow. Um, he is. He's my familiar. He is single bonded to me. Uh, the on the positive side of sort of the way that I connect with him is. As with many cats, but he's he's pretty sassy. The um, entire concept of saying that's enough, you know, when when a when a pet has been pet enough, saying that's enough, especially as I age, that's something that uh, I I feel like that yeah. energy more and more. I had a recent instance with um, an acquaintance at a bar who didn't know when to stop pushing a point with me, and I had to do a, a lucky esque that's enough to him before things got real dark. So that would be the, the lucky side of the equation. <laughs> um, bogey, it would be uh, his, his like exuberance and his eagerness because he's a very uh, energetic breed. And I love having animals in um, my home, human and otherwise, that are, are fun, you know, energetic and, and want to do stuff. And so I love having a cat that's a maniac and a dog that's, an even bigger maniac like that's i i love that that energy that like want to like do things and experience things like i i you know can see that myself if i'm comparing myself to my pets on the um i guess on the uh the the negative side like with with lucky the single bonded type uh that he is can be tiresome he doesn't want me to go in the bathroom like right before I came here, Marnie was walking bogey, and Lucky was like, it's just us, it's playtime. And he was getting mad at me getting ready. He didn't want me in the bathroom. He does this thing where he'll chase me all the way down the stairs if he knows I'm leaving. He can see me gathering my things. He knows, like, I'm getting the mask, I'm getting a hat, I'm getting my sunglasses, my keys. He knows I'm leaving, and he'll chase me all the way down the stairs, meowing aggressively at me and, like, biting my legs and, like, trying to get through the door, which can be a huge pain in the ass when I'm, like, carrying all our equipment. Like, that, that's, like a big problem for me. Sure. Then the reactiveness with my dog, because any dog walks by and he is like super alert. That's like, I know he's young and I see myself in my twenties in that. <laughs> sure, you know sure, I mean? sure, sure. Like being like hyper reactive to everything. And, and you just, you feel like you need to have a reaction to everything that's happening yep. around you. And I want to just be like, buddy, that, that ain't it. You need to, you need to slow it down. You're going to give yourself a heart attack. You don't need to bark at every fucking dog, including dogs that you've seen a hundred times. Yeah. It's okay. Just stay laying down. It's quite all right. You can just be chill. You can chill. <laughs> That's fair. You'll learn. You're only you two. You can try to be chill. Yeah, you can yeah. try. I mean, yeah, I've, been tr- I've been trying for 40 years and yeah. I haven't yeah. figured it out. That's like a learned. <laughs> I hope it is. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'll learn that lesson I don't think someday. I was chill when I was like three. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It takes time. <laughs> yeah. Or at Just least to know when to chill. through drywall every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Like my window tab over at my dad's house is like, <laughs> it's high. <laughs> like recently he, he was backing out of the garage and he backed into my car and I had to get my car fixed. And I was like, oh, you putting a dent in that window tab? <laughs> so good. Was it more throwing things or fists or you just oh like to jump God. through well, windows? Okay. Just jumping. That's I, I how he leaves I have a knack for playing baseball ah. in like an inappropriate <laughs> diamond. You know, it's like wherever. Yeah. So like that was good. I had baseball for sure. Hockey, like. Sure. Everybody in Duluth plays hockey, right? Like whether you play or don't, like you play hockey, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so I've put tennis balls, pucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Rubber balls, plastic balls. You name it. I didn't I break put a, those. I broke so many windows. I didn't break a window, but I remember I got grounded because I dented the fuck out of her screen door. Because it had like, it was the white metal screen door with the mm. screen on the top half. And the bottom half was like a, it was like a 3D impression. There was like an, an X on it. Oh, and yeah. I decided one day after school that that looked a whole lot like a perfect strike zone for mm-hmm. baseball. Yeah, I love that. So I spent an hour pitching into the patio door and it was i mean it looked like somebody tried to really ram through it, it. Yeah. yeah and my mom came up was like what did you do i was like i was practicing baseball and then yeah. oh yeah that no was, my dad that was two weeks ago bought home. a brand new garage door the day my last brother moved out <laughs> like so many dents yeah. not so doing it till they're all out of the house it's Screw safe those now guys, guys. Yeah. yeah what about so, the uh, all right so oh, yeah. uh talking about them pets talk about right? them animals I think when you said window tab, you were like yeah. branding a cat that likes to sit in the window. <laughs> uh, I, I would have to take it back to like my previous animal, right? Sure. To like give context. Like the dog that I had before Freya Chewy. was this amazing animal named Chewy. R.I.P. And he like, he was a rescue and he saved my life in this like very interesting way where. Uh, all the dogs I've ever had, it's like, I say sit and they sit. As they stay, they stay. As they, you know, I feed them, they eat. Those types of things, right? Very loving, nurturing relationships. Chewie and I was like purely a mutual arrangement of survival. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, fair. I, I remember with my wife, Laura, coming over. One of the first times that we'd ever like eating a meal together <clears throat> and we were eating and something fell on the floor and she went to grab it and Chewie almost bit her hand Too off. Too late, yeah. And I forgot to mention <laughs> that that belongs to him now. Like, <laughs> we'd already established this and I didn't, I didn't tell her the rules. Teleported like, to the Chewie yeah, plane, yeah. Anything that touches the floor belongs to Chewie and like that had been established long ago. Uh, we still respect those rules around the house now, even though he's not with us anymore. But I find that like, well, that's so distinct that he was just like, <laughs> he also lived where I lived, just paid no rent. It was like yeah. Debo was my fucking room <laughs> <laughs> from Friday. Uh, so when, uh, when we got Freya, my, the now. dog that I have now, it was like those two dogs like got along and it was great. And then Chewy passed away. And now I just like, I feel like a divorcee every day. Like, I just get it. Like, this dog argues with me. This dog 
is obsessed with me. Like, yo, you're going to leave. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to leave. Like you're <laughs> yeah, a dog. Right. Like I've tried, I've tried talking shit to the dog, you know, like Will Ferrell style where I'm just like, <laughs> Oh, did you have a hard day? And you want to leave? Like, like, no, you're, you know, I do. And, uh, it just doesn't, nothing works with this dog. It's just, it, it does what it wants. It is obsessed with me and it, monopolizes my time when I'm at home. I don't think that I'm anything like that dog. Well, that could be the opposite, though. That could be where it's the disconnect. Yeah. And, I mean, I love the dog. The dog is a... The Freya is a beautiful animal and very kind and loving and very fun. Wears a friendship mask all the time because cannot connect with other dogs in a healthy way. <clears throat> Um, but I think that's just a byproduct of that, like, transition, right? Like, yeah. I had this, like, I don't know, strange arrangement with this animal that would easily eat me in my sleep if I didn't keep one eye open. And then she came along <laughs> and was just like, you know, I'm in love with you. And it's like, oh, <laughs> none of you, none of this is working for me. <laughs> so, uh, great animals, but, like, I don't know that I relate. The cat, on the other hand... I do feel like it's, it's as if my inner child was spawned, you know? Sure. Like, like my mom just, like, created this <laughs> <laughs> so that I could be punished for everything that I did as a kid. Is this fucking cat? It's a calico, yeah. right? Uh, named Altes after, like, this delicious wine grape from the Savoie region, France, that I totally love drinking if you ever get... Your hands on it, drink it. Uh, this cat is, if you put it on a table, it'll knock it off. Yep. If you cherish it, it will fucking break it. If you don't keep your eye on it, it will come for you and you won't see it coming. It's very true. It is also curious, which I think that I am so curious about so many things. And I love, like, I think that's my connection with that cat is, like, you <laughs> the, share that. The chaos that, that your cat brings to all situations yeah. is hilarious. And I'll forget because Harold is such a lazy pile of whatever. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's in a, I think he's 13 or 14 now. I mean, he's old, so he's definitely chill, too. But I forget what other cats are like. And I remember one time I went over to Paul's house, Charles, and, uh, we were just talking and we were going to go have a sauna and he was grabbing some stuff out of the fridge and I'm just chilling. And all of a sudden I just felt like a paw just thwap me in the back of the head. <laughs> and I turned around and like we had been standing in the kitchen. I did not see this cat come from anywhere, but all of a sudden it climbed up high enough and was like, Hey, what are you doing in my house? Ah! And then just ran off. Away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like one of my favorite Beastie Boys songs was Sabotage. Yes. First. And I can like hear that song playing whenever yes. that cat's around. Yes. And like, it also, I would say, would, if you I'm picturing listen the GoPro to that song person, or watch like, that video, it, 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 it certainly <laughs> is yes. definitive of a lot of my like childhood. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It's very, sabotage is a, is a great way to. I can, I can totally picture it. Like every time I see your cat come running into whatever room I'm in, I just hear the, the bass breakdown when it goes back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Doom, doom, doom. Like, oh, it's coming for someone or yeah. something. Look around. Is there anything right. fragile that might get broken? And then there's broken? like 
a really old man from New York or a really young girl yelling in the background. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's very hard to tell. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, shit. Too much tuna. Too much tuna. Well, cheers. Uh, yeah, cheers to what that. Cheers to that. Cheers to the kitties and the puppies. I don't care which one you like more, just like animals. Yeah. Or if you have one of those, like, other animals, you know, because people keep pets, yeah. right? You get snakes and... Yeah. I, I saw a hedgehog on a video on Instagram today. I was like, all right, give me yeah. one of those. They're fucking adorable. In a little yeah. hot tub of a, a noodle cup. I just don't just like... Chilling. <laughs> That's awesome. yeah, those, I, I mean, those tiger people freak me out yeah. a bit. Where you're just like, I just can't deal with like that. You got your arm bit off at, like, a petting zoo? That's... Yeah. I just don't want the smell the of snakes or the smell of ferrets. No. Like you cannot pet is not a pet. Yeah. yeah. By definition, I think. I've met a couple of cool snakes in my day. You can kind of pet them. There you go. Then it's a pet. Yeah. But, but like oof, alligators, smell, just no. Hard. Uh, all right, Charles, you're up. Okay. Well, let's cry over spilled milk. Hennessy, describe a time you spilled a drink on someone. Oh, we've Bef- all done it. Hold on, before you Which do that. Which story? Th- I, pick one. I just have to tell you guys this. I was absolutely mystified, and if I had been on my shit better, I would have gotten a photo of this guy. Yeah. But where we are recording is uh, a few blocks away from uh, what could be considered kind of a hipster corner in uptown Minneapolis, uh, the corner of um, Franklin and Lindale. Um, and there was a dude who stopped traffic Stoner little white dude wearing Birkenstocks and an ill-fitting T-shirt who stopped traffic because he walked into the middle of Lindale and with two hands was drinking a half a gallon of milk and literally drank like a third of the half gallon and then just wandered across the street yeah, and then kept going. Yeah. And I, 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 I was just slack-jawed. I, the whole thing was like, What? It's actually kind of a wild corner. I wouldn't call it a hipster corner because weird stuff happens here. Weird stuff happens. It's like a mixture of the two, though, because during the day, you have a lot of people that are coming out of, like, the Wedge co-op grocery store. There's all sorts of – it's kind of a junction point of a lot of weird stuff. Yeah. There's a church. There's a bus stop. There's a – But this dude didn't have a – he didn't have a bag. He didn't have anything else. His only possession that I could see was a half a gallon of milk in a, a glass bottle. You might have realized he was seconds away from Kurds. I just, yeah. yeah, just chugging it in the middle oh. of one of the busiest roads. Yes, yes, no, dude. we were here for Steve's wedding, <laughs> and yes. in the it, over at the Semple Mansion, not in this oh, okay. specific yeah. location. And like I had gotten here, and we got here in the morning, right? And it was like ten or eleven in the morning, and <laughs> I was walking up Nicollet, Nicollet, and like Nicollet and Franklin's the weirdest. It's the weirdest place in Minneapolis. I feel like I've seen all the weirdest things. That I've ever seen in Minneapolis. Well, I, I lived on Franklin I've and seen Third, so I've seen at Nicollet and Franklin. Hey, me too. I'm walking up Nicollet, about to turn the corner to come over to Simple Mansion, and there's a guy riding a shopping cart. You know how like Nicollet's <laughs> oh, a hill yeah, yeah. on mm-hmm. the on the south side, and it's like coming down into the north side. Okay. He's riding the shopping cart, <laughs> and I can like see his hands waving. And I was like, "Oh, there's a lady sitting in the front of the shopping cart. That's amazing, right?" So I'm like running up there because I want to see this and I check it out. And it's like, <laughs> it is a lady in the shopping cart. <laughs> but it's a lady who does not have legs in the shopping cart. Okay. So it's, yeah, a, this, it's a this very a intoxicated guy riding a shopping cart down Nicollet. Yeah. So he's like with, standing up on it. Standing uh, on the back, like the way that 
we all have done in when bringing the groceries back to the car. Yep. Uh, it's it's irresistible. Yeah. And I was like, good on you, but like, I've never seen a person that doesn't have legs in a shopping cart. Everyone's life was in danger, Mm -hmm. and I was just like, "This is amazing! Like, this is the moment. (laughs) This is why I'm here." Well, had to do a wedding. It wasn't a black tie affair wedding. It was in Johnny Knoxville. If there's ever a sign that this wedding should go on unadulterated, (laughs) that was it. If someone walked in there was like, "I object," I'd be like, "No, you don't." (laughs) Let me tell you why you don't. A man I mean, rode a shopping cart yeah. with half of a person in the front of this it. This is also a wedding where we taped a fart machine underneath the yes, groom's okay. chair. I thought. But <laughs> anyway, I, sorry. I thought sorry, we sorry, weren't going to. No. Slightly more likely to occur. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> just a little more likely anyway. to occur. The fucking fart machine's going to fall yeah, after the forever. rest of our fucking lives. Hardest I've ever laughed in public. Anyway, all right. So bring I, it back to Charles's question. Uh, spilled a drink on someone? Have you? Oh. <laughs> Sounds like it's happened a few times. Okay, no, well, Give us okay. a good one. Give us the juiciest So I've been a bartender one. for like 24 years yep. probably. Like other than the Four Seasons gig, I've been a bartender most of my existence. Um, all right. My favorite one. That's what we like Personal to hear. Personal favorite. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm pouring a beer. At Max Industrial, and if you recall, at Max Industrial, the central tap, not mm-hmm. new Max Industrial, I don't even know what that is. For our listeners out there that haven't been, it's a service industry bar uh, that was in northeast Minneapolis. It has moved locations. It's still in northeast Minneapolis. We recorded an episode at the newer location Correct. with Justin right. Sutherland. Correct. Uh, just a, a, it's, it's the spot that, that everybody in the industry goes to. Yeah. So, if you remember old Max Industrial, there was one central tap. It had, like, a silver handle on it. It was always Miller Lite, right? In perpetuity. It's a rocking night. Everything's happening. And it's the convergence of where, like, the people who aren't in the industry are now crossing over with the people who are in the industry, right? So, like, 9, 30, 10 o'clock. People are getting done with work. And then people are still there. And this uh, gal sits down and she puts her purse on the bar. And it's right next to the tap, kind of thus way. And I'm just kind of like, I'm pouring a bunch of beers. And I fill this Miller Lite. And it's like 92.7% full of Miller Lite. And the keg kicks. The whole beer, it fires that because when a keg blows, if you don't know, and an inordinate amount of like air, air gets fired out of the tap. So the full, the more filled the beer is, the more projectile you could potentially experience. And if you're like doing a good job, aka only pouring one beer at a time. You're going to, like, catch it and pull the beer away yeah. and, and, and <laughs> rectify that relatively quickly. Sure. If you're kind of doing two beers at one time, you're leaving the door open for disaster. So I'm pouring two beers because I love disaster. And this keg kicks. It fires this air into the beer. And I would say the entirety of the beer fires over the top <laughs> of the tap. 
and fills this woman's purse with Miller Lite. <laughs> Free beer? Like, not joking. This is the most watertight purse I've ever seen. <laughs> ever. Like, <laughs> lipstick floating out the top and, like, dollar bills and, like, her license. Like, everything coming out of it. And then, of course, she grabbed, like, naturally, right? Her reaction is to grab the purse. So she grabs it and squeezes it and all the liquid comes out and all of her belongings come out. And I mean, I'm just sort of like... This was a scene from Honey, I Shrank the Kids 4. <laughs> yeah, I'm literally just standing there like looking her in the face. What are you going to do? And, and I'm thinking like, all right, what's the hospitality move, right? Like, because anytime something goes wrong in a hospitality experience... The ideal situation is that the guest is not aware, right? You're like, oh, yeah, uh, your food took long or your drink is wrong or something's overcooked and we're going to get that right back out to you, but yeah. here's something to enjoy in the meantime. This is one of the few situations that I've been in in the hospitality industry where I don't have anything. Yep. I don't have the egg anything was on your face. for I swamped your fucking purse canoe. Free beer, but this time in a glass? Miller Lite, which is not what you drink. It's not like, if it was some like old, you know, chef with a, <laughs> with a bag, I'd be like, drink out of it. It's yours. Yeah, you exactly. For, you know? Bag of beer. The bounty belongs to the gods or whatever. Not the ones that get stuck on the freeway. <laughs> and this, you know, it's like this, like, was there a solution? Yeah, the, you know what the resolution was? That person did not pay for any more drinks. Yep. Okay. Like, That's all you can do. Like, we are, it's, it's compliments of the house. That's compliments of Kate yeah, Spade. Yeah, there's no coming back. Like, no. Because <laughs> every time she squeezed the purse, the beer went down the bar onto her body. Yep. So it's like, Perfect. now what she's wearing is covered in Miller Lite. And I'm just like, we're not getting out of this one. <laughs> Oof. I thank your battleship. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. I thank yep. that poor girl's battleship. Oh, and they, you, and I, I didn't even call a number. It just it's impressive, really. Yeah. It's impressive, really. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have two. One that I still feel really guilty about and one that I still think is hilarious. Okay. And they're both... I, I, neither one of them are awful. Well, I mean, kind whatever. It's a sliding scale. Well, it's always unsavory. It's just a matter of, like, how, the, how reparable is the situation. The one that I still feel bad about was... Uh, Back at the nightclub that Paul and I worked at 20 years ago, we had started a fun prank for a while where we would get a bottle of beer and you would just walk up behind a friend of yours and put it upside down in their pocket. And then literally like the beer would start pouring into the person's pocket. The first thing you do is pull the beer out. But in doing that, you do it quickly. In doing that, it carbonates the beer more. So more beer just shoots out. So pretty much there's not a way to get the bottle out without dumping the, the whole bottle of beer is going to end up in your pocket. And uh, a friend of mine from college was coming. He wanted to be cool. He was meeting this girl for the first time and he wanted to bring her to the club. And I was like, we'll take care of drinks for you. I'll make you look really cool. If she's got a song she wants to hear, I'll play it. Cause I was DJing that yeah, night. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, this would be, a perfect time to like fuck with my friend again, early twenties, lots of booze. The time uh, you pour a whole beer down someone's pants and they'd laugh about it. Correct. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> so 
I kept asking, like, where's this girl? Like, oh, she's coming. She's coming. She's out with some friends. They're all going to come down. I'm like, cool. Well, we can put them on the list. And he goes, well, just wait till she gets here. She's going to text me or call me. And then as soon as that happens, yeah, just, like, let him know. I'm like, perfect, cool. I go back to doing my thing. We're giving each other shit. He decides that he's going to tell a few of my friends some funny slash embarrassing stories from college. And so I'm like, all right, game's on. Let's go back and forth for a little while. Uh, I got him a bottle of, or a, a shot of just peach schnapps, and I told him that it was rumple mints, and we cheersed it, took it, ha, 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 hilarious. He made a funny face. Uh, he... I can't remember what the hell he dumped in my beer. Like, I shot a Midori or something. Like, haha, all right. So now it's getting closer to midnight. She's still not there. And so I decide, all right, it's time. This dude's getting a Coors Light in the pocket. Pop a bottle, dump it in there. He had a cell phone in that pocket. And if you remember cell phones 20 years ago, if a single raindrop landed on your cell phone, <laughs> it was completely useless. Like, it, would, it was done. And his cell phone was in said pocket. And apparently she was trying to call him and then texting him and he didn't answer. So she never showed up. And I found out a couple of weeks later, like that was the end of them because she didn't believe that something had happened to his phone. She thought that he had like met another girl at the club and was oh ghosting God. her. So I kind also of that age. Yep. Also that age. Correct. So I kind of, I kind of ended that guy's chance at. <laughs> is that what endless love is about? <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, that's what right. Luther was thinking about. Okay. Uh, but the one that I still laugh about is very, very similar to Paul's. Um, if you're at a bar, a lot of bars now have more advanced systems that have a stopgap. So if the liquid kicks, there's literally a ping pong ball in there that'll yeah. drop and it'll stop that burst of air from coming through. But sometimes some bars don't necessarily clean their lines. Things can get sticky. Sometimes it's, it just happens that the ping pong or ball the doesn't caps work. Are just old. Yeah. And uh, I was pouring a harp for uh, a guest, and I had a very nice, like, 45-degree angle on it, and I'm pouring the beer, and I'm talking to somebody, and the beer kicks, and it was a perfect, like, an absolutely perfect shot from the glass underneath the taps up, because the glass is angled up, up into this woman's face and straight down her cleavage. Like, dressed up very nice, clearly, like, was going somewhere. And immediately was, I was like... Keyword oh, was. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Oh, oh, my God. Like, I'm stuttering my way through, like, what what can I do? And this fucking <laughs> douchebag... We used to play this game called Skadoosh, where uh, the douchiest people, you could get certain points for it. And the overall game winner was the guy who had white sunglasses that were on the back of his head. Literally a guy in a tank top with white sunglasses yeah. on the back of his head walks by just as I'm trying to apologize and be like, I got towels. We can figure stuff out. Like, we have T-shirts here. I, I, I'm so sorry. Like, let's figure out what we can do. And he just looks at her and goes, oh, Bukaki Becky, and then just keeps walking. What? And that ended any possible civil. Made it way worse. Oh, my Made God. That was, worse. we might have a bonfire. This dude threw an entire can of That's gasoline That's kind of like someone it. spilling tacos on somebody that you just spilled a drink on. Yes, like 100%. Of, like, how do we make, what's the one thing that could make this worse? Uh, that guy hit it chili. and then just wandered on. And I understand her anger over that comment was all at me. Totally, totally legit. And at that point, 
I was like, I will pay for your dry cleaning bill. I will give you a free t-shirt. Uh, I will give you anything that you want. And I'll give you a $50 gift card to come back. And she still had a conversation with the manager about maybe I should be fired. I am, yeah. I, I'm not surprised to hear that. I, again, I get it. That, that was way too much shock, adrenaline, and insult in the span of like 15 seconds for this poor woman. But when she finally left, I had another bartender that was working with me that had watched the whole thing and very quickly vanished out of the scene. He comes back and like a half an hour had gone by and like adrenaline had come back down and I'm just like, okay, like I'm just, I just need to get through this shift and I'm going to go home and think about how bad I feel about that. And uh, he's in the service well just making drinks and he just turns around and just looks at me and he goes, Bukaki Becky. <laughs> and goes back to it. And I'm like, fuck. Oh, god damn it. So that, yeah, I, I can't imagine anything more horrific happening as an accident like that. Like even, even a dish spilling. Spill on somebody's face. Like, right. I think that's. Like it was, it was her bangs, her face, and her chest. Everything just covered in foamy lager. And I. There's, there's no coming back from that. There's literally no. just nothing you can do. But it's also the move. <laughs> like, as a young bartender, not recognizing that carbonated beverages don't mix with the alcohols that you're mixing them with. I 110% shook shots with soda pop in yeah. them. <laughs> yep. oh. That exploded not only in my face, oh, which, which is not detrimental to your career, but like, really sucks for your night, but also in customer spaces, yeah. like just unloaded, like grenadine sour and seven up with like some sort of gross spirit. Coconut rum, I'm sure. Right in your face. Like if you've never had Malibu in your eyes, actually, if you've ever had Malibu in your eyes, it might've been me. <laughs> it might've been me. <laughs> like, that's something you should take with you. Oh God! Uh, the the, love, the level of fuckboy the guy had to even be to decide that was a great moment to yep. make like a totally inappropriate comment. Yep, and the fact that that guy I just got went, to, went along about his night. He just skated away on soap shoes, his, like no big deal. Yeah. Like no, 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 that guy owns like a his dad. Owns, his dad owns a Portillo's franchise. <laughs> well, I mean. His dad's the lawyer for a Portillo's yeah. franchise. His dad was. Was. Now, now like, <laughs> remember, that person now is an adult. Correct. Like, at the time, his dad owned some stuff. <laughs> now his dad's probably, like, you know, old. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised with like the uh, white sunglasses on backwards if that guy wasn't 45 already. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh. Gotta uh, that guy. Charles, you haven't, you haven't had to put up with as many years behind bars as we have but i'm sure oh, yes of course it's not there's the, gotta be a well you probably spilled some drinks yeah I've you spilled, spilled some I've drinks spilled, i've spilled a drink or three in my time so this is uh marnie and i early in our relationship um on our second day we went to chimborazo this is this really great ecuadorian restaurant in minneapolis here and we had such a great time and Felt like I did such a great job on that date. We went again like a month later. It's probably our sixth date uh, because we saw that they do this date night, right? Two entrees, two apps, bottle of wine, something like that. I forget how much it costs, but it's just like I a, mean, they still have that. Like they the probably best, still do like, that. They still have a great deal. Oh yeah, it's a gr it's a fantastic restaurant, and they probably still do a date night. 
So we went there for this date night, and I'm still trying to impress, right? Early, really early in the relationship. And I want her to think that I'm really cool. So I'm telling some story, and I don't remember what the story is because of fucking PTSD. But I was, like, gesticulating. We both have a full glass of red wine in front of us. And flailing my arms, telling her some story about how cool I am because of something I did. And perfectly launched the glass with my swinging hand. Yes. Across the table. And, of course, she's wearing a canary yellow sweater. Oh, great. And it launched the, the, the salvo of uh, <laughs> grape juice perfectly sprayed the hellfire missiles it it was just the perfect it was like the batman symbol was sprayed (laughs) across her beautiful canary yellow sweater i was mortified that's like i haven't done a lot of things that bring me that kind of embarrassment like screech level embarrassment yes that was a screech and his name probably is was screech because screech (laughs) the record stopped the record stops with uh, our experience and actually, you know, is maybe probably somewhat formative to our relationship and our dynamic because she was so cool about it. Like she was too nice about it. She should have been like, "Yeah, what like are neither of us married doing? any of the people that we just told stories about, and you married that person." Yeah, yeah right? very true. And she was very <laughs> cool about it. Yeah, she 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 took it in stride, and then like, of course. We, we continued the meal. We cleaned it up as well as we could, but come on, red wine mm-hmm. on yeah, yeah, a yellow sweater. Good luck. So she basically sat in that for the rest of the meal, and uh, I ended up, like, having it. Well, <laughs> this is the other embarrassing part of it. I had it cleaned. I asked my mom if she could, like, what do you do? Um, thinking that, like, Woolite. I don't know if you take it to a dry cleaner or what, but... Uh, we did some sort of soak over at my mom's house and it cleaned it up pretty good. I actually asked her about this earlier, knowing that I was going to ask this question. And she said, oh yeah, like I still have that sweater. And I was like, is it intact? She's like, yeah, it's perfect. It's, it's the same sweater. Amazing. So I was like, oh, great. But in the moment, can you imagine something more embarrassing that you Ew. could do to someone that you've been dating for literally probably six to eight weeks? I mean, I'm mortified. Blasting a glass of wine yeah, across I've the table. I've more been in Marnie's shoes, or I'm like <laughs> yeah. covered in something we've consumed together. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like everything cool I said yeah. to that point was just nullified completely. You're not cool tonight, okay? Yep. Charles, tonight you're lame as fuck. We're going to continue this meal. Everything yeah, you said that made you seem cool. Blackout is- Charlie. That's yeah, right. Like, it was the first bottle of wine. One. Don't worry. That's the extra uh, yeah. embarrassing thing is it angry was, helicopters. It was, I think it was my first glass and the first bottle of wine we were drinking, so I don't have any excuse. Oh, that's like, also oh, the no. worst because then you have to like you like no, no no like I'm not drunk like then you're like over justifying that I'm just clumsy <laughs> I'm just an idiot I didn't I'm not drunk that's I always hate that when you do something oh, that yeah, like a drunk true. person would. Right. And then you have to like try and Precisely. overcompensate about yeah. like how legit you are. And I fully understood in the moment that if things didn't work out between us, that was probably a story she'd tell for the rest of her life. <laughs> there you go. This At least- dumb fucking <laughs> asshole who spilled a, who threw basically an entire glass. It almost seemed like I threw I don't know if she even realized the motion. It almost seemed like I threw the glass of wine. <laughs> In her face. And I almost feel like you shouldn't marry somebody you couldn't, like, throw a yeah. glass of red wine. There. Like, well, I mean, I'd probably... Out of anger, just out of, like, hey, I'm I just clumsy. Wind up, clumsy things happen. I just wind up dead. That's, that's fine. You just wind up... Yeah. Uh, I, I, do, I do just want to... I want to put this on record because my favorite spilled drink story, I got to witness, but I didn't get to uh, 
I, I wasn't the person doing it. But short story, want to put this on record, still to this day, one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Uh, I had a coworker uh, named Nicole that Paul also knows. And uh, she was kind of like kid sister to me. Like I always wanted to just like protect slash make sure douchebags weren't being too forward with her. She was very young when she was working with us and she's a very attractive human being and just wanted to make sure that like the club scene didn't gobble her up. And uh, as I've maybe talked about in the show before, I am an uh, unabashed fan of the group Hanson, the brothers from Oklahoma uh, made famous by the group or the song Mbop. And uh, she was young enough that she had a crush on them growing up. So we went to the show together and as you can imagine, it was a lot of very, uh, right around 21-year-old young women drinking, some of them maybe for the first time at a concert. And this woman kept spilling her beer on Nicole, and Nicole straight up confronted her on it, and she threw her beer at Nicole, and Nicole decked her, like knocked this girl the fuck out. Security comes, swarms everybody up, brings both girls in back, and now I'm a guy by himself who's six foot five at a Hanson show, which was hilarious by itself. So I went and got myself another drink, and I'm like, all right, well, what do I do? If this woman who's my coworker that I've hung out with a couple times gets kicked out, like, am I even going to know? Do I stay for the rest of the show? What do I do? And all of a sudden, five minutes later, she comes walking back out with a fresh drink, and then the girl who got knocked out comes walking out and grabs her friends and they move somewhere else. And I'm like, wait, what just happened? And she used her charm to explain that this woman had spilled beer on her twice and then threw beer at her. And so the punch was justified. So security made the girl who got knocked out buy her a beer at the bar and then called it even and let both girls stay. And I told her right in that moment, you are officially my little sister. That's the coolest shit I've ever seen. And we rock the rest of the Hanson show out. And to this day, she is still somebody that I call my little sister. Unlikely outcome. Unlikely outcome. Only time I've ever seen somebody punch somebody out and get to stay and then also got a beer from that person. So, Nicole, I love you. Still my favorite story. Bopped her. <laughs> it was a fucking sweet punch, too. Well, So, cheers, cheers to that. To, cheers to making this alcohol go in our mouths and not in our laps. Or on anyone else's laps sure or face. <laughs> Wherever you are, Bukaki Becky, I still feel bad. Lumberg fucked her. Sorry. <laughs> the guy. Uh, that guy's the worst. Uh, all right. That is that guy. That is that guy. That's 100%. But that guy's the Okay, worst. now you put the picture in my head. It's that yeah. guy. It's He's that got like guy. a Honda Civic, and you're just like, fuck. <laughs> yes. It's a hatchback. Right. He didn't do anything to it except a body kit. And you're yeah. like, it's just a. His those air are the people who ask if you can help him move on Facebook. His, yes. <laughs> and his, his air freshener is just him spraying his cologne like, in his is car. Is anybody available to help me move? <laughs> right now. Right today. now. Right now. I just realized I'm moving today. Yeah. <laughs> I got the truck. <laughs> Actually, could you bring a truck? Yeah, could you yeah, bring yeah, a truck yeah, for yeah. sure? Does anybody have a truck? I'm anybody moving. with? Can anyone with a truck help me move right yeah. now? <laughs> I thought I'd party super hard the night before I'm moving myself. <laughs> also, I have it packed, so you'll have to help yeah. me pack. Uh, all right, Paul. Yes. Uh, this may sound a bit arrogant, but I do feel like we have all gotten better as we've aged. 
what is one piece of self-care that you've adopted later in adult life that's helped you out with just kind of taking care of yourself? Like something maybe that we, you or we did not do when we were younger that you've adopted that really... Oh, okay. A new thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll punt this one. I'd like to... Ah, you're such a punter. Charles? <clears throat> it would be, honestly, the thing that I have always, or for my entire adult life, when I've been on my own and I've been on my own for a very long time, the thing that I always put in the back, the thing that I felt like I didn't have to address until really quite recently, last couple of years, is uh, my health in any way. It was always the thing on my checklist where I said, well, I could go to the doctor, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I have time. And it's really been the last couple years. And, you know, I would say, honestly, since, I, since I've been married, sort of I had to give myself a come to Jesus talk in the mirror and say, like, you're married now. You need to take care of yourself. Own up to the fact that you haven't always done what you need to do to look after um, your, I'm just going to say mostly physical health. Mm -hmm. Start making appointments and, and getting things looked after so that, you know, the predominant thing would be caring for my stack of dimes I call a neck. I got a, I got a janky neck. I started to, you know, go get MRIs and things like that uh, and try to improve my quality of life, by extension, those around me's quality of life, because it can, when it's bad, it can keep you from doing things. It can make me grumpy. Uh, a year ago, I had two steroid shots, and it's actually worked really well. It's lasted a very long time. It's been almost exactly a year. That's the kind of thing I never, ever would have done when I was younger. And I've had this neck problem since I was, to varying degrees, since I was 19. And like, just didn't do anything about it. I was just like, my neck hurts all the time. And people would ask me, you know, my 20s and even, like, my, my early to mid-30s, well, why don't you do something about it? Oh, what is there to do? My neck sucks. Like, that's just, mm -hmm. I, it just hurts all the time, and that's okay. But knowing that I'm mature enough to look after a lot of things in my life that I probably disregarded for many years that I should not have disregarded, most importantly, my, like, maintaining the temple that I call my body, like, trying to extend my, my, my lifespan, quite frankly, that's been huge. And it's something that, uh, I, if you told, if you told 25 year old Charles that he was going to be making specialist doctor's appointments for aches and pains and things like that, he probably would laugh in your face. Obviously there's the necessity of, as we age, things hurt more than they used to. So that's like an alarm bell, but that's something that I'm, I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm proud of myself for, and probably my family's probably pretty proud too. Like, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> when you got a shitty neck, you go and ask the doctor, why is the neck shitty? What can I do about it? It's, it's tough. Like, I still have issues with it because I spent so long without medical insurance because of my time in the service industry. And I, even though I've had years a big part of it now, yeah where I've had like fully funded really good insurance, I still have a tough time convincing myself to go because I had built it up so much in my head about how I don't have enough money to see a doctor. You know, like I would gut out just about everything uh, with the exception of like stuff like ear infections where you could go to like a minute clinic and pay $100 and 
literally tell them what medicine you need, but they still have to charge you for the sure. checking it out. You do have to change yeah. the programming. Yep. I mean, you know. Charles, you're like a business owner. So if you have insurance, it comes. You, yeah. Like you created that. Totally. You, but you know even, what I mean? Like it didn't exist unless you decided. Certainly. But similarly to Quam, I mean, I, I electively, you know, because I've been, I haven't been gainfully employed in forever. I, there were years where I just didn't get myself. Yep. I was just like, I don't need insurance. But I started, I, I shifted in my 30s and I was like, you got to you gotta have insurance in case something fucked right. up happens to you. So I've been carrying insurance, but there was a, a period of maybe like five to seven years there where I pretty much refused to use it. I used it as an insurance policy. Yep. Like if right. something, like if you get hit by a car or you get some disease, then it's there if you need it. But now using it the way it's intended to be used, meaning like you can actually go have things looked at. It's still not cheap, obviously. Yep. But yeah, it's certainly that's, that is salient because I'm in a position where, because a lot of people unfortunately have good insurance and it's still expensive. Yep. They're like I'm already paying for that. Now I got to pay for this. And so they disregard their own health. And that's why, you know, that, that affects mortality rates because people don't look after themselves or they disregard things that happen to them. I mean, our like, life expectancy is going down in this country for the third Right year now, now, yeah, for sure. And that's, you know, a part of it is expense because people are like, it's nothing, it's nothing. Oh, yeah, like I have deluded myself on WebMD, but it's never actually anything serious, but it could be. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying become a hypochondriac. I'm saying just yeah. like if you no, got, you know, when I hurt my Achilles when in my 20s, I would have just like clomped around on it until it didn't hurt anymore but i went to the doctor right away and because i was quick i ended up healing pretty rapidly that's just the kind of stuff i wouldn't have done when i was younger or couldn't have done when you were younger paul do you want to you want to go for her do for self-care go? yeah sure and also we yeah, had just the boring pull answer that, pull that microphone a little i had bit. the boring medical answer so maybe you guys got something about like you get it yeah air care it. or something uh well, I mean, as you know, I have a sauna at my house. Mm-hmm. Sauna is a big part of my, like, culture, my upbringing. Um, so I won't say that's, like, something new. No, but it that's is. That's, like, something that has existed for years in my life, and I find it to be, like, super important. I, I, I think, like... Actually stretching and actually, like, meditating are the two things that I've added. Like, I've been a practitioner of meditation, but, like, always recognizing that, like, my brain is functioning at this, like, insanely crazy level and I can't shut it off. Uh, And then learning that, like, that's that's not the key. Right? Everybody thinks like meditation is sit down, shut it all down, and be quiet. And it's actually like taking your physical, like human self and setting it in stillness and then letting all of that happen. Right? Mm. Like whatever you're thinking, good, bad, happy, sad, accepting all of it at the same time, you know? It's like uh, instead of parting the sea, you're, like, opening your arms and letting the sea, like, come at you. 
for me, that was like the freeing piece of meditation. And I don't, you know, the sauna is like a very like calming and relaxing benefit that I get to participate in. But truthfully, the ability to sit down and say like, I accept all like, what about all my emails that I didn't answer? And what about uh, the 17 things that I have pending? Did I put those on my to-do list or not? Right? Like, did I remember? What will I forget? Will the things that I forget punish me in the future? Sure. All those things. Am I good enough? Am I bad enough? Am I kind? Am I mean? Am I smart? Am I not? All those things get to be in existence. And I am literally sitting front and center at that concert, watching all those things happen. Not reacting or interacting. Literally just, I accept Mm -hmm. all of it. And at the end, it's like, I'm not even like letting go, right? I'm not saying like, huh. It doesn't matter. I'm saying, okay, that all happened, right? Thunderdome literally happened. Mm-hmm. What's the takeaway from Thunderdome? You got to be like, a spectator to your and, own and chili yeah, wrestling. Yeah, exactly. Like you're participating in your life. You're, you're like, uh, you're not impressed with what you were doing. That's great. You're involved in what you're doing because it matters to you. So you're just, you're literally just like, yeah, I want to I want to know what am I worried about? What am I excited about? What am I afraid of? What am I interested in? What do I hate? What do I love? Do the things that I hate and the things that I love matter? Should I change the triage of everything in my life? And meditation for me is like you're just literally present and you're breathing and you exist mm-hmm. and all those things just you're saying yes to it all. Right? For like five to ten minutes. You don't have that kind of time normally, right? You don't you don't buy yourself that time unless right. you purposefully do it. And mm-hmm. when you do it, it's like I walk out of there with like <laughs> little chunks of all this ridiculous stuff, but it all matters to me differently. And yeah. now all of a sudden I'm like I didn't realize I needed to prioritize telling my friend that they matter. I didn't realize I needed to prioritize calling my child. I didn't realize that I needed to prioritize telling my wife that what she does every day matters. Mm -hmm. Because she does things every day, and I'm like, thank you. Right? But I also... I don't like stop and say like, what you did actually means so much to me. That's my moment to be like, whoa, do you know how much that means to you? Yep. Maybe say that, right? And then that goes in the, and then we pass on more things. So for me, that like practice of meditation and saying like, Take everything and reprioritize for five minutes or ten minutes or whatever you can carve out, right? It could be two minutes. It could be in the car on the way to work. Um, But just taking all that and saying, like, I'm just going to let it all in and reprioritize for a minute. And then 
block it back out because because we're good at the blocking it out right mm-hmm. like as humans we love it's a self-preservation yeah we love it because we can't actually take like you can't go to work and do your thing and think about like what if i you know like all the other insecurity things and like you've got to go to work and do you right like every day so you need a minute to be like vulnerable to yourself and accountable to yourself and like for me, that's like, love it. The most yeah, that's major. Yeah, practice. Love it. <clears throat> Mine is kind of an offshoot of yours, Paul. Actually, uh, I I have been guilty of run, 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 pass out, sleep, run, 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 run pass out, sleep for a long time. And what I realized was, I in doing all of that, it allowed me to not have to deal with anything because I always put enough on my plate that I didn't have time to think about any of that. And all that ends up doing is building up behind a cardboard wall that I put up. And when the weight gets too much, it crashes. And then I would have like a really, really depressive cycle and do a lot of like self-destructive shit. And I'm still prone to that. It's, I'm not like, oh, that's done now. But what I've done in the last, really in the last, I'd started doing it about five years ago and then it got ratcheted up when my little brother passed away because I went through like a six month period where I didn't feel anything. And I didn't realize how dangerous that was to me and how frightening that was for a lot of people that I loved. And I had just bottled everything. It was basically like, put a lid on all of it and seal it up and bury it because I'd rather not feel anything than deal with stuff. And what I realized was that was the same thing that I had been doing my whole life is whenever things got to be too much, I just seal the whole thing up and not deal with any of it and then just pretend like it was fine. And I couldn't figure out why I felt like I was like constantly Indiana Jones with a boulder running behind me for everything that I did in life and that if I slowed down for one second, I'd get smushed. And what I've done is I give myself time to meditate. Uh, Fortunately or unfortunately, I have trouble settling my brain down. So that's where CBD and THC has stepped in. That's also where like music steps in, where I will give myself time to really close my eyes and try and center myself. And then I journal and I try to write out how I feel at that certain moment. And for anybody that follows me on social media, when you see a really long post that I'm sure like none of you read, that's where that comes from. It's whenever I feel like something that I've written the next day might help somebody else, I'll usually try to post that because I know that not everybody is, I don't know not everybody is comfortable doing that. And it's like, I hope that maybe if I can share the weirdness going on in my head that somebody else might feel seen. But it also helps me, like, once I write it and put it out, then, I, then it's off my brain. So if I write long enough, I can actually follow the thread on where my head is. And then when I go back to it the next day, I can actively start working on, okay, like, what's, what's going on here? Like, I wrote long enough that eventually I got to, oh, this is really the problem. Like, where it started to where it ends is usually wildly different. And that has been fascinating because it's basically like I got to create a course study 
in how my own brain works. So uh, when I'm in the middle of that, like a thoughtful reflection, I try to write as much as I can. And then I'll give it a day or two, and then I go back and I reread it. And it's like, okay, now I can kind of find the things that are actually the root of what I'm concerned about. And then sometimes that's what I share, and sometimes that's just what I keep for myself. But yeah, it's I, helped me really figure out, like, I need to do more work on my own physical health because obviously, like, I'm an overweight POS. But, like, it's like baby steps. Like, I'm still cleaning house upstairs and trying to focus on that while also then trying to be a little bit better about things that are, like, physically coming into me. Like, I'm trying well, to figure out... At some point, you'll, you'll be doing both, you yeah, know, because that's, yeah. that's the best way mm -hmm. to to live especially as we age mm -hmm. you know i mean i remember like the the disconnect of when your brother passed and like i've seen this before with other friends where yeah. they've experienced like death and 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 separation for them is normal right to like step away and be like i need to deal with my own stuff privately and and for you it was like a disconnect not just from, you know, your personal life, but, like, there was, like, a disconnect from you and then a reconnect for you where you were able to, like, you came back and were, like, I want to be, like, happy. I want to be yeah. better. I want to live. Mm -hmm. Like, it was almost as if you accepted the terms of the singular life that you were given, you know, where before it was maybe like, not, I don't care about my life, but that like, that finite number hadn't been attached to it. And then yeah. all of a sudden it was like, well, I only live once and I accept and I want to live well, it was, it, the best one. Yeah, right? it was, like I want a, the best life. It was a weird time. Cause like, it was a 50-50 on, like, do I or do I just want to say fuck it and not? Like, that was, I, it's so weird to think about. Life got really black and white for a while there, and I was kind of on the fence because I just felt like most of the people that I had lost were people who were very similar to me. And as Charles, you and I have talked about before, like, I've not always had the tightest grip on whether or not I'm supposed to be here or want to be here and so when people of my ilk pass it's very sad and it hurts but that's just like sometimes that's just like life and I felt the same way about me and my brother was just like the kindest nicest human he was everything that I would like to be in the world and for him to just vanish that quickly it was like I, I was really stuck on this precipice of, like, do I even give a shit about this? Like, if that's the rules of the game, like, then why am I even trying to, like, play? Like, but you were trying to live the best life well, possible. Yeah, but that was and the other I thing is, like, like, I also found so much enjoyment and so much love in, in things. But I feel like he gave you that gift. Yeah, absolutely. Because you absolutely. awoke, like, I want to live the best life possible. Mm -hmm. And I know what the best life possible for me is Correct. and I'm going to go get it. Correct. Rather than I'm going to wander like Kane from Kung Fu. Yep. Figuring out what my best life is. You now had like this opportunity 
And that, that was the gift that was given to you in a, at a horrible cost. But that was probably. also, that was also a lot of, it was a lot of heartbreaking conversations with my wife and partner, yep. but it was also writing through a lot of that. And what I kept coming back to is like, if my little brother embodied all of these great things, then why the fuck am I giving up if I have time here to also try and reflect that legacy? And that ended up being what got me out of it was I'm going to try harder to be more like him. Like my, my brother, Tony, his twin uh, gave a speech that basically the, the ethos was we all have a lot more work to do to make up for what the world lost with him being gone. We all have to be nicer. We all have to be better. We all have to be kinder. And that shit just ended up being what got me out of it. And that's what I try to reflect on all the time. And that's why I try to journal all the time is like, am I reflecting the things that I want to see in the world? Am I actually doing this? Cause you can lie to yourself all the time. You can tell yourself any story you want if it makes you feel better. And it's like through that meditation, that's kind of been where I really try to drill down to like, where am I at? And that's it. That's, Fuck, I mean, I, I think that's heavy. why I let it all in because yeah. it's like, you have you to. Can't, you can't lie because the lie is intermixed with mm -hmm. the truth. So it's like, it's all there. And, and if you omit anything, you can't be honest about your reaction to it. It's almost like you can't omit anything because yeah. you're saying, Bring. You have to take you're, it all in. And as you know, when it comes to life, sometimes I tend to lean in the way of like, bring it on. <laughs> I may be like running face first into a punch as opposed to like trying to dodge it. <laughs> That, that's, that's perhaps my nature. You ain't wrong. Uh, or, right. I mean, I did bring... Uh, I was going to say, all right, so we got... We have, I have a bottled and bond uh, special edition, a very, very kind this gift. This is a Charles special because I Ooh, thought maybe yeah, Blackout buddy. Charlie... All right, so we have, we have, we have a bottled and bond that. whiskey, and then we have the chartreuse. Yeah, which I'm happy to wait. I just want you to know... I feel like maybe we do the whiskey I, and I then the chartreuse. I am good with either direction, so you gentlemen yeah. can decide. Paul? That's great. Sounds okay. great. All right, so um, this is a special edition bottled and bond from Jay Riegers in Kansas City. This was a very, very thoughtful gift from my good friend Kyle Hopkins, uh, who works with me in Surly and reps Surly down in the Kansas and Missouri area. Uh, my wife and I took a tour of this distillery. Um, they add a little bit of sherry to sweeten the whiskey, and it is they are the very first officially acknowledged Kansas City whiskey, and that is now an official style in the whiskey portfolio. The week after my wife and I were there and took the tour, they did this bottle and bond release, and I just had expressed that I was very sad I didn't get a bottle, and uh, Kyle and his wife went down there and actually bought a bottle of this for us and hand-delivered it two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. So I wanted to pour this out for uh, both of you gentlemen. Yeah, we, we are honored to have it. I'll tee up our next topic, and then we can cheers after I ask it. Okay, so, Paul, tell us about a beverage you wish you could access where you live that is only available elsewhere. That is a question that I really, really love. I wish I actually I 
<laughs> it's like it's like a I question. Like it's, it's a question I love, but it's a question I like don't know the answer to because I don't know the place that I want the thing from. But what I want to say about that is like, like I listen to you talk about distilling a rock with your family. Yeah, and I think I want that. Yeah, I want somebody who hasn't has chosen this for a reason to come to me and say, I chose to do it this way for a reason. So wherever right. that beverage comes from, mm. you know what I'm saying? And, it's a wild and, card. It's something you don't even know about yet. Is that what well, you're trying the, to say? What I'm saying is that like the beverages that we don't know about far outweigh the beverages oh, that we do. And absolutely. we waste so much of our time just, Sitting around drinking festively, like the whole bourbon thing, right? Where everyone's like, bourbon is to a point where literally it's a secret. And if you don't know about it, you don't get it. And it's like, so you wasted all your money, all your hundreds of dollars on this bottle of bourbon that you can only get if your cousin runs the auction. And you spent no time thinking about what traditional fermentation and distillation practices in Bolivia are, right? Which, yeah. I mean, we know about Singani, but, like, outside of that, we know nothing. Right. And we just sit here drinking our overpriced bourbon, waiting for someone to bring us... The next thing. The next thing, yeah. right? Or we're, like, sitting around drinking our Anejo tequila not acknowledging that we steam blue Weber agave instead of in this purified plant, instead of saying like, what does that agave plant actually taste like? Mm -hmm. Right. It's almost like it's better if it's done in a barrel and you're like, well, it's a plant distillate. I want to know what the plant tastes like. That's why ricea is important. That's why yeah. Sotol is important. Right. That's why mezcal is important. And not just Espadine, right? But we don't spend any we're, time We're awakening to that a little bit. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, we, we, I mean, us in this room, we've had the benefit of tasting multiple, like, varietals of agave plant. But think about all the plants that mm -hmm. get distilled in all different parts of the world. What, what are you drinking from That's Africa exciting. right now? Nothing, right? Like, you drink nothing from Africa, and you know that that exists. Or, like, Arabic distillation was literally OG distillation. What are we... Then why aren't, why aren't we drinking that? What are we doing? We're going to drink London Dry Gin, and we're going to drink bourbon? We're not going to say, like, I actually want to know the roots of this thing. I actually want to know, like, what is... OG, terroir-driven, truthful, honest distillation. And if you're using a barrel, why are you using a barrel? If you're right. choosing that plant, why are you choosing? Like, don't grow extra espadine because you can make money on it. Don't grow Pinot Noir because you can make money on it. Grow what's real. Right? We're, we're trying to grow Pinot Noir here in Minnesota. This is not where Pinot Noir grows. Right. 
right? Some of the distillates that we get from Minnesota, it's like, oh, yeah, it's corn distillates. Great. It's like, where's the corn come from, yeah. Iowa? Why? Why? Minnesota is like literally one of the greatest wheat production regions in the world. What do you drink right now from Minnesota that's made from wheat? Right. Nothing. You, you, you do nothing to like support the, the, the thing that is yep. most honest about where you come from. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, if you think about like Rosetta Stone, there's probably so many of those products that are lost, that are just washed away by the winds of time. Mm-hmm. Things we'll never get to taste because they're just gone forever. No one, you know, recorded them. They just are no longer produced. And I'm, I'm hoping effort, efforts are made to find, like, small-town uh, distillates or, or winemaking or beer-making, things like that, and, like, recording it, just like the Rosetta Stone program with language, making sure that, well, not everyone wants this right now, but who knows, maybe someday we can generate some interest in this product. But so, Paul, would you say that your um, – what, what you'd say in regards to this topic would be that it's something you don't even know about yet? Are you 100%. saying it's like, okay? 100%. Like, okay. in Minnesota, I would say, like, this land does not belong to us, right? Like, right. This is... Stolen land. Someone else's land. Cheers to that, and, by the way. We haven't and, even cheers yet, but that's... Yeah. Cheers. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. And... Uh, Okay, so I, I was recently in Madeline Island, and we drove through the Red Cliff Reservation, which is this beautiful place, and they have a really well-known fishery, if you're not familiar. Uh, Northern Water Smokehouse has a contract with Red Cliff to generate fish there. Um, but those, those people that do hold land, they also fermented and distilled and like generated products what are those things what 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 items do they use right i mean the distilleries here in minnesota as far as i can tell some of them are trying to branch out and really like embrace the boreal forests and like if you've had the ida graves amaro so good that um alan burgo was a part of that's just scratching the surface of this amazing confluence of coniferous forests and deciduous, deciduous forests forest. that are, like, coming together, and there's so much bounty there to, like... Well, and then you also have the fertile soil from the, the billions of years old mountain range. Yeah. Like, that's how you end up with the Red River Valley. That's how you end up with soil that can grow plants like that, that can grow wheat like that. And we're... So we're, we're like, in our infantile stage of, like, what's the greatest... It hasn't happened yet. Imagination needs to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I honestly, like, I, I feel guilty because I'm going to say the words Pinot Noir, and <laughs> you were just talking about that, but if I had to pick a, a, something that I had consumed that I wish I could get here, it was those fucking bottles of Swiss Pinot that we had when, I was, when we were in, in France. When my wife and I uh, decided to fly into Switzerland and drive through Switzerland and Germany 
to the chateau that we rented in France and then drive back the same way. And those bottles of Pinot were some of the best bottles of Pinot I've ever had in my life. And you can't, I, it's, I've tried every possible route that I have with, with my sources, who I am fortunate enough to have access to a lot of distributors. And all of that shit, they're like, no, that just stays there. Yeah, but I mean, that's my point. Yeah. It's like, stop drinking Pinot from where you know. Yep. Okay? If you know it's from Burgundy and you know it's from Sonoma or Russian River or, like, wherever you choose to get your Pinot from, stop drinking it from there. Yep. Stop going there. Go somewhere else. Discover new Pinot yeah. should be like a T-shirt yes. that I create. It's like... I'm into it. Discover new Pinot. But, like, just discover... New things. Spend more time being like, what else is there? And I realize that, like, you can't drink a new flavor every time you drink. Okay, fine. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. Right? Sometimes be okay with the same thing. But don't have any loyalty to the same. If you love Camus, try a different cab. Yep. If you love Rombauer, have a different Chardonnay. Yep. And if you don't like that one, try a new one yep. the next time until you find one that you do like. And then keep trying. Until you mm -hmm. find another and another. Because having 10 things you like is so much better than having one thing that you like. Totally. And I also, I want to get back, I want to give you credence on the, uh, the also try things local to where you are in any case. Like, the Iraq, like, I want to I, I go to Lebanon so bad with Charles. I want to go and just experience that with somebody who, in the same way that, like, I was so proud to have you, Paul, wander around Oslo with me because that place is such a part of my heart. Like, I hope you felt a little bit of the love of like, I'm taking you to the places that I really love. I want to do that in Lebanon with Charles. But when I think about like my favorite things that I've consumed on my travels, it's been something weird and funky that like you had to get into a conversation with a bartender or a, a, like a local at least where they're like, Oh, if you really want to like know what this is about, you got to try this. Like when we were in Bogota for our friend Sammy's wedding and uh, we ended up having um, their like anisette. That was just the, the uh, aguardiente getting passed around. Like that was a bottle that is only available there. That was fucking amazing. When I think about going to Iceland, my favorite memory was haggling with a bartender behind the bar over what an appropriate price for the, the uh, gin that his mother made with all local spices and herbs. Like, that was the greatest shit ever because it tasted like where I was. Yeah, I mean, that's... It tasted like where I was staying. That's the point of it, right? Correct. Like saying aguardiente and then pretending like that means something. As opposed to like saying aquavit and pretending that that means something, or whiskey, which literally all those words mean the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's water of life. Every country in the world has a distillate mm -hmm. referred to in some way, shape, or form. Some reverential as way. Water of life, right? Schnapps is no different. And it's really about like, or I think the thing that I derived from like, chasing this word water of life and 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 looking into it and saying like why do all these countries have 
water of life as their designation because they all distill and they all make something they all enjoy drinking together. And it also wouldn't kill you because sometimes the water would kill you. Allocated right. and you don't have to talk to like a broker to get it and only the rich can have it. Anyone can have it. Sure. No but matter that's what not it's central made from. to this topic. It could be something that's easy to access too. It's just a matter yeah. of like time and place. Well, that's know. what what I was talking yeah. about uh, when you stepped out for a hot second, Charles, was when uh, we were in France together, my wife and I flew into Switzerland and drove through Germany, and we wanted to like kind of drink some wines on the way to and on the way back. And the Swiss Pinot Noir was absolutely fucking breathtaking. So if you could access that here, you would... Yeah, but 90, 98% of it stays in Switzerland. Sure, but that's why it's a good answer. I want it so yeah. bad. I want it so bad. I, I mean, I, I won't be verbose. My answer is highly simplistic, and it's uh, something that I've mentioned many times. El Matza in the lager of Lebanon. Mm-hmm. El Matza lager. It's not the world's best lager, but it makes me think of Lebanon, and when I'm in Lebanon, I drink it. So there's something to be said for maybe you should only drink it in Lebanon. I've had a few here. I've brought a couple home with me. Mm-hmm. I love it so much that it's this cheap lager that people drink there daily on the beach. And if it's too warm, they'll pour it out. Uh, so I brought some back with me and I bought exactly one that was, or my mom got me one. Someone got me one at like a church festival. And I was like, what the fuck? Elmaza? Like, how is that here? I know that if it was available, I would drink it all the time because it would make me think of my family there and, and the place that I have there and the beach and the, the sunset and the food there is obviously a mechanism and a novelty to the fact that I can mostly only have it there. And so it's very much like an I have arrived sort mm-hmm. of a scenario. I'm always going to consume one of those when I first arrive. It's the first thing I'm going to drink probably alongside some Ara or a, a glass of Johnny Red. So that's like, that's my, after like two days of travel in effect, mm-hmm. 30 hours of travel or what have you when we arrive to the condo and it's already like our cousins have already put some in the fridge. You pull out a nice cold Almaza, you pop the top, you go out on the balcony and you overlook the Mediterranean and you take one big frosty cool sip of that pretty good lager. And you're like, fuck yeah. But especially in these times where I haven't been able to return to Lebanon since, you know, 2019 and I miss it dearly and I miss my family I would love to drink that beer right now and just close my eyes and think about being there. And there are other ways I can do that. When I eat Lebanese food, I think about being in Lebanon, but mm-hmm. that's something that I had Lebanese food when I was a kid that was, had more of a connection to Minnesota than it to Lebanon because it was Lebanese, Minnesotan. I was eating the food here, right? Yep. Yep. Snow on the ground and I'm eating kibbe. But Almaza I was introduced to in Lebanon, so it's got that, like, direct connection. Yep. Same with Ara. I had Ara in the U.S. that was made in mm-hmm. Lebanon, but it never had that specific uh, heartstring connected yeah. to it that the Almaza does, because the Almaza I only experienced there totally. for the, that original So when you drink time. it here, do you, it, does it connect you? Absolutely. And I think that I'm yeah. saying, I'm saying that's why, right? Yeah. Because yeah. it immediately makes me feel like I'm in the, I'm on the Mediterranean beach in, in Batroon. Like and those connectors are important, right? And huge, that, I mean, I think that's huge. actually what I mean by like, that's why people are like, oh, I love Burgundy Pinot or 
Napa Cab or mm. Sonoma. It's like, because you went there, you went to Willamette Valley, you went to Napa, you went to, you know, Germany, or you went to Belgium, and you had those beers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you go to those places, and you have those things, and you have that connect. And I think yeah. I'm, what I'm saying is, like, the world is gigantic, right? Like, like for me, that moment was like going to New York City and walking down the street and being like, holy fuck. There is, the, the options are everything. And none of that's even real because that's just New York City, right? right. Having pizza in New York City is not having pizza in Italy. Mm-hmm. Having, you know, Chinese food in New York City is not having Chinese food in China. Mm-hmm. But you get to go there and you get to experience all the different things. And then you, and then it's like, how are we not curious about the whole rest of the world, the whole world. So to, to make it my turn to refer to a third party that is not present. I was having a conversation with Eric Eastman just prior to you guys arriving. I was just sitting here, you know, chilling for a little bit, smoking a cigar. And, uh, we started conversing about the, um, Moscow which I told him you were coming on the show and he's because he was telling me how great it is. And he brought it up when he was last on the program about mm-hmm. how we, cause we were talking about a similar question, but it was if you could transport us somewhere else right. to have a beverage yep. as a nightcap, what would it be? And he said it was this rosé that he's absolutely obsessed with from this small French town. Well, now it's going to be available in this market. And he just like an hour ago posted about it coming here. So I think that that would, that was his answer for that question. And yeah. I bet it would be, it, it would be his answer for this question if not for the fact that, oh shit, now you can get it here. Right. And he, he connected it to, to you, Small World, of course, because he said that you're the first person in North America other than, than him and his, his cohorts that got to experience it. But that's cool because that clearly, that at, at one time uh, had this same connection to him where, he would have answered, I, wished I, I wish I could access that here. Right. And now he can. And now I'm trying to, like, think, you know, it makes me think about, like, what would I access, you know, hmm. like. Um, yeah, you could be selfish. It doesn't have to be. Oh, 100%. I mean? 100%. I think, like. I understand the ideological point you're making, but there's uh, also got to be something selfish. You know, that you're traveling like, to Mexico to and, and, like, in Jalisco and okay. then getting it expanded into Sotol and Ricea as opposed to, like, just Mezcal and tequila. Yeah. I miss, like,. I miss the love that Mexico has for its own products. Like, you can, it's almost like they won't send the best stuff here. And I understand it. But (laughs) I'm also like, when I have it, when I go there and and I talk to somebody who's pouring me mezcal and talking to me about it. And Mm -hmm. they're just like, so fired up about where it comes from and how it's made and you know what I mean? Tradition. I want, I want beverages that have tradition. I want beverages that come from the heart that come from like who you are as a person. I want to experience that because I genuinely care about 
who people are and 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 I want to connect, right? I don't walk into a bar and look at a menu and say like, mm, "Give me one of these." I walk into a bar and I look at the person across the bar from me and I say, "You know so much about what you're doing. What are you willing to share with me? What are you willing to like connect me to?" Sure. Right? That's there's, my, a, there's a balance for most people, too, because knowing what you like is half the battle for most people. Yeah. Here's what I like. Some people are open to everything. I think you are. I know I am. I know Kwame is. Yeah. So it's, right. You can have those experiences yeah. where you say, just, like, fuck me up, man. Like, what do you want yep. to What do you want to share and with And there you? is a road to, like, loving everything, right? Like, it, 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 can be. it isn't a straight line. There, yeah. there are. Yeah. And, and, and if you don't. But I'm saying if you do want to add the asterisk, if you're the type of person that doesn't love everything, you can say, here are the things that I like or don't like. You can choose your yeah. your adventure and then say, like, what do you have that you're willing to share with me that, like, you think I would enjoy? Yeah. I think sharing your excitement and sharing your fear are, like, benefits to anyone's life. Oh, yeah. Right? Connecting yeah. with a human being and saying, this is what I get excited about and this is what I'm afraid of. Mm -hmm. That would make us all better. Like, I think... Uh, I know you had a, you had a great conversation, in one of your podcasts about language, and how it like doesn't translate, basically right. English and otherwise. Yes, and it it got me thinking so much about like conversations between two human beings that are about do you understand what I'm saying, not I'm right and you're wrong. Sure. Right. Yep. Like, it's not about right and wrong. It doesn't matter. You think what you think. I think what I think, right? I enjoy sweet things. You enjoy savory things, for example. And I'm, yeah. you know, completely theorizing. But that is mostly about do I understand what it is that you love about savory things? And do you understand what it is that I love about sweet things so that we can enhance each other's lives? Sure. It's not about you, you you're have to right. want to understand. You like savory things. Sure. I am wrong. I like sweet things. And in our like English conversation, I don't know that we really know how to do that. We don't have like we have too much like specific verbiage that doesn't leave room for that creativity of Yes, I like what I like, but I now understand what you like. And it makes my life better. And I think that's like a super important piece of that. Yeah, I agree. We should do better just in language in general about being able to express like enjoyment and love and all of that. I just, I feel like we could all, <laughs> we just need to get together as a, an entire society and come together. Like it's super easy, obviously. I mean, <laughs> Crazy, crazy connection to hospitality here. But uh, I, as you know, worked at an Applebee's. Truth. I have Apple Buddies. I recently saw one. In, Apple Buddies. Yeah, one of my Apple Buddies came into the Four like Seasons and we had a great hug. It Buffalo was so Wild beautiful. Friends. It was like, I, like <laughs> I was so excited to see this person. They were so amazing. Um, but working at Applebee's, the first, like one of the first things that I was taught 
as a manager was seek to understand. And it was a, that phrase right there was like never uttered to me at any point in time in my life up until that point. Well, that's interesting, right? And then it was like actually terrifying to me that I'd never heard it before. Like, how scary is it to find out that you're the bad guy halfway through your story? (laughs) You are your own villain origin. Oh my God, I'm Rolf. (laughs) <laughs> from Sound of Music. <laughs> the reluctant Nazi. Hey, <laughs> sorry. Did you learn this in a training yeah, program? Can I date your daughter? You? I rode a I'm bike sorry. here. I'm yeah. just, I love that of all of the possible references, <laughs> you hit Rolf <laughs> from Sound of Music. Well, you are 16 reluctant going Nazi. on 17. Listen, I sang a choir concert in the cathedral that they get married at. I understand it's, that musical very well. If you think shit. I didn't dance through the hills of Salzburg singing that the hills were alive, I did. But really, I mean, Dancing through the hills of Salisbury was a, a dish at Applebee's. Also a Peter Gabriel song. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone missed my BU joke. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I, I missed it. I did. They I touch- the training program's called BU. Oh, Works right. two ways. You fair, know? fair, fair, fair. They be, touch be on yourself. it in Ted Lasso, right? Like yes. they say, be curious. And I always love that. And <laughs> yeah. it always like sunk right. in with me. But it sunk in with me because I worked at a fucking Applebee's where they were like, seek to understand. Yeah. And it, I and got it, fucked it, up by Applebee's. Yeah. It's like spend some time trying to get it. That's it. It's so funny how... And then serve a mo- yeah, and then, Mountain and then Dew tequila. Yeah, after they're like, fuck you. Yeah, you're like, now I understand why you said fuck you, and I want to bring you some <laughs> Blooming Onions or whatever the fuck <laughs> they make at Applebee's. I don't even know what's on the menu at Applebee's. I can just tell you I worked at one. I will, Seek to understand. Great message. I will still say, straight up, also the best bar Douglas. training course I've ever been a part of was the TGI Friday's bar training course. Oh, I yes. went through two weeks of it. Still the greatest... Like, all about how to introduce hospitality to anybody in any scenario. Mm. And then I worked one shift at a Friday's, and I literally quit the day after. Was the training program called TGWF? Uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, TGI. Wait, no. Uh-oh. TG. Some corny. TG, so there was some corny. YH. <laughs> it was TGY. Thank God you're here. Thank God. Oh, so it's yeah, worse. Well, at least they were got into it. Before, well, you know, that's why yeah. he's stuck on the freeways. Fucking busy. We're right? still at a restaurant. Right. There's a lot yeah. of TGI Fridays. <laughs> it's, because, it's because one of the six seasons is construction. <laughs> or, or I, thought, I thought you were going to say it was Friday. One of the six seasons is construction. <laughs> and that's why you have to eat fucking rutabagas. You know, they didn't change the name from four seasons to six seasons because the logo looked weird with a traffic cone in yeah. one of the segments. <laughs> but also the alliteration was so good. Now the logo's a tree and the leaves are like right. progressively... So, like, in the last two seasons, it would just be like, what do we do with the leaves? Like, well, <laughs> one of them's when the UFO comes and takes you, and then one's after. And that's why you eat rutabagas. That's why you eat rutabagas. Yeah. Huge. All right. So, All right. we have a rutabaga uh, tartare in yeah. Super Mediterranean, and everybody loves it. So, we have a rutabaga liqueur. <laughs> Here we have. Did you say rutabaga? Yeah. yeah, I love when people do kind of Midwestern bring rutabaga. food to you, and they're like, Here we have. And then oh, they, yes. yeah, and they tee it up. Uh, yep. Again with the wheeze. Crushed apple jacks with a side Ooh. of frosted flakes. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I would and then a up sprinkle, some Dude, jacks. if they just did an all cereal with like just regular ass raw milk. Mm. Oops. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. And then crunch berries over the top. 
up. <laughs> are they, like, uh, hold on. Are they yeah. cage-free Crunchberries? Because, like, I have to have them. If someone does that, I'll be like, been spending most of our lives living in a gangster paradise. <laughs> that's, that's how you do it. It's like just the nastiest uh, bowl of cereal. I and only celebrate. You cannot cage they a bring crunch a, berry. a live toucan that, like, lands on your Fruit Loops. <laughs> <laughs> It's got to get out of control. Oh, it's already out of Too control. Too live, you can. Yes. Yes. Uh, all right, should we move on? Are, we, si- are we sipping chartreuse this chartreuse? I mean, I just poured yeah. myself up some. Well, fuck it. Let's go. Yep. Cheers. 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 All right. The chartreuse comes later. <laughs> That's like my favorite horror movie. <laughs> the chartreuse <laughs> comes later. Oh, I- it's about an after party <laughs> that went wrong after yeah, bar. A Frenchman post cheese course smoking a cigarette and getting really violent. Well, yeah. Well, no, it has to be before the cheese course because I always smoke before I have cheese. Oh, great. Here we go. Okay. All right. All right. Tell us right. more right. about how you went to France. Well, I'm had to no, squeeze no, no, in the good. reference. He had to do it. Had to do it. Had to do it. Listen, it's what happens. Uh, <laughs> Have you listeners ever heard about the time that Ben went to France? Because I can tell you all about it. Uh, all right. Okay, ready. Paul, what's a dish that you cook that feels like you on the plate? A dish that's like an expression of your heart or your soul. And I'm asking this because I have been fortunate enough to have come over to your house twice for some open fire cooking. And... I, much like we were talking about, like, finding, like, what alcohol or what beverage is local to a community, I felt like when I was at your house, like, I got to take in exactly what you wanted to express, literally from your garden. And I think that the more that we can relate what we cook to, like, who we are, the more that it becomes that act of love and that sort of like the distillate of what we talked about with hospitality, right? So if you had to pick something that like you love cooking that expresses who you are, what would that be? We, uh, I am, I'm very connected to like the basic ingredient right like i don't love green beans but i love dragon's tongue beans or wax beans sure and it's not because green beans are bad it's because like dragon's tongue beans or wax beans have like so much more flavor and so much more expression and we can like we can literally influence the way that people like choose to grow things with our uh like with our purchasing power and we don't we don't even it's like we're getting a vote and we don't we're like throwing the vote in the garbage because cub foods is around the corner and i i I don't want to hate on cub foods i want to be clear like whatever (laughs) grocery store you shop at shop at that grocery store be curious what is that? What is rutabaga? What is kohlrabi? What can I do with kohlrabi, right? And I, I'm one of those people that, like, follows people on the internet to, like, see weird things that they're doing. Like, I saw mm. someone make a kohlrabi 
sort of creamy pasta sauce, and I was like, I would have never, okay. I would have never used kohlrabi that way. I just gotta go kohlrabi. I do that right? every time because of making a murderer. Yeah, and I would never <laughs> use it. I would never use it that way, right? I would never, like, yeah. Why do we eat meat and potatoes? Because we can get them. Why do we eat tomatoes and corn? Because they're seasonal and we love them. And they're beautiful. But like, what can, did you ferment some tomatoes? Ferment them this time. And then next time, ferment the green ones, mm-hmm. right? And like, when you ferment the red ones, let's do a little Bloody Mary action. Let's do a little, like, tomato water action. Let's, you know, what, what are we doing with celery? Are we spending time with celery? Are we getting involved with celery? Cool do circuit to Jenny Quam about she will fight people over celery yeah again not (laughs) we need to be introducing people to more right like we we you guys talk about the pineapple on pizza and like the combative nature of people in regards to pineapple on pizza and i love that because it's like are you ready to be mad about it or are you ready to discover something new yeah, some people are ready to be mad about it, yeah. You know? Some people. Like, what? Because we, well, who are we in Minnesota? Mm-hmm. We're so young. We're so new. We're so untapped. Tell, name one farm north of Hinkley. It's, it's hard to do, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it is possible, but it's hard to do. They exist. And we need to get involved in that. Right. I mean, Wisconsin, I've driven through Wisconsin like probably 15 times in the last year. It's the France of the Midwest. If you look at like the beauty of the pasture that they have. No one has ever said anything. No one's ever said that. Wisconsin. And it's like, but I'm that, not. That driftless Glen I'm not fucking wrong, so guys. Fucking like, drive yeah. through it. Drive through yeah, Barocco, Wisconsin. You can't drive, meet anyone to hold drive this Drive through Amory, true. Wisconsin, and tell me you didn't see the most beautiful prairies you ever laid your eye on. That being said, if you want to get into Minnesota, drive through the Cloquet Valley and tell me you didn't see the most beautiful prairie you've ever seen. And that's halfway between Duluth and Ely. And it's, it's like, we just assume that we already know where we live, yep. what it looks like, and what can happen there. Have you eaten butter from northern Minnesota? You haven't, right? Like I have. There's so much out there. Yep. It, this, this world is, like, ready to be explored. So what's your dish? So my dish, for me personally, mm-hmm. the thing that I love to make for anyone, uh, I love making a good Caesar salad. I love it. I love Underrated. it in, in, in the summertime because I grow a lot of cucumbers and cucumbers are abundant, right? And you're always like, what am I going to do with all these cucumbers? I make a cucumber Caesar salad. So in lieu Dude, of Dude, I should have a recipe today okay. for a cucumber Caesar salad that and I've never heard of sounds it fucking in my life awesome. until today. I also have I'm, not okay, heard of it. Okay, so I'll share mine because uh, we're here and we can do it, right? Yeah, it's a great so idea. Why the not? cucumbers and the anchovies are mm-hmm. like... Michael Douglas and uh, Sharon Stone in, uh, what am I thinking? You know the movie. Basic Basic Instinct. Instinct, right? It's so sexy. Those things are so, they're interviewing each other in a perverted way. And it's and I love it. Like Which Michael, one has Doug- the Michael Douglas is the that. anchovy for sure. Yeah, Michael Douglas is the anchovy real talk. But like it, it works. And I don't know how to explain it. 
So, like, what I do is I basically squeeze, like, the number of lemons that I feel is, like, equitable to the amount of cucumbers I've chopped. And I, and I cut out them? all the seeds, and I only chop the outside. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't fuck with the seeds. And then I take whatever white onion I have, and I cut it in half, and I shave it as thin as I possibly can. Like, like you know, deli sandwich thin, like a really gross Italian... Sandwich the covered in Italian a really dressing. Delicious like Italian that sandwich. Super thin. Kinky gross. Yeah. You know? mm. So once you have those two components, I throw in Castel Vitrano olives and either almonds or pistachios, yes, depending on what I have. Please. Right? Though that's my like go to. Fuck yeah. I chuck a little Aleppo pepper in there. And then I basically anchovy garlic paste. With aioli and the lemon juice. And I mix that all together and I throw that into the mix. Mm. And then I do just straight up basil leaves. I don't even cut them or tear them. I just full leaves of basil and then chopped parsley as my herb situation. And it all goes into a big bowl. And then I take, Mm. if you have day-old bread, go day-old bread because it's way better. But if you don't have it, you can still achieve it the same way with, like, regular bread. But cut it into cubes and, like... Panzanelling this bitch? Yeah, just throw it in butter. I just, like, I melt butter. Oh, you toss the bread in. And then butter. I toss it in there yeah. and, like... In cubes, though? Like... Cubes, whatever. Whatever you got. Does this like, go in the salad? Because if or it's, on like, the salad, a, like a the old bread, you're cutting it into whatever the bread lets you cut it into. Where, like, if it's fresher bread, you can be more, like, chefy. Just cut the bread. And then melt the butter, throw all the bread in there. And as I'm tossing the bread in the butter, and I use unsalted butter because I like to season my own shit, I do salt, pepper, and then, like, if you've got dry herbs hanging, which if you're an herb grower throughout the summer, you kind of typically always have fresh stuff, dried stuff, whatever. If you don't have dried stuff, you can throw, like, Thyme is a really good one because it's abundant and and fresh or dry. It still does a great job. Doesn't yeah. kick out Just a lot like of throw that either. into yeah, your yeah. little uh, bread mixture, and then like if your croutons don't get toasty, like on the stove top, because it's hard to like kind of get it even. <laughs> okay, so I, what is a crouton situation? Which is I throw the evident. croutons into the broiler. I just hit broil yeah, in the awesome. oven, yeah. throw them in there. Mm-hmm. And that way, while I'm prepping the rest of my shit, I just turn those croutons like three, four times. They're bangers. And then if you still don't love the croutons, pull them out of the broiler. Take one clove of garlic and just shave it. And then mix it in. And those croutons will be banging. And once you put it into the mix, because like the, the croutons are like the fun part. Right? Yeah, like everybody course. loves a crouton. It's, I, I like salad, but like the croutons, the thing where I'm like, one for fun. you, Jesus, one for me, right? Like it's like <laughs> I like a, it's like I like a good crouton. You know it's like I'm naughty, but I'm nice. <laughs> I shop in the gray or whatever. Like it's a fun, yeah. So like croutons are like the low carb, fun carb. You get a carb. It's like the give a penny, take a penny of salad. <laughs> and so I, I just it. like I, I make it. that crouton happen, and then that cucumber Caesar is just like. That's like my summer jam. Well, Julius would be rolling in his grave, but that sounds delicious. Yeah, that sounds yeah. fucking amazing. There's a lot going on there, but that sounds fucking 
Bang. Yeah. Charles, so that, what about that, you? That's Bang. my uh, map. What's your, uh, what's your dish? I'll be a little more perfunctory, and I like to do that at times. Uh, you know, my whole jam and when I'm cooking, when I'm cooking for people and I want them to, to feel sort of that, uh, the element of like heart or love or soul or whatever you want to call that in my cooking, it's using live fire. Yeah. So cooking with live fire is my way of showing like love to people and, and showing them who I am in in that form, right? Mm-hmm. Showing people yeah. what I, what I, yeah. I'll, I'll take a little. What, that ice bucket girl? No ice. Um, Noise. I, ordinarily, I would say, like, I, I've said before my favorite thing to grill, and it's controversial to some people, is chicken, because it takes a lot of talent to cook chicken. To make good well, grilled chicken, yeah. Poultry is not easy to grill over open fire. I am very adept at it. I'm proud of how good I've become at it. Um, that, but what I would say is if I'm sort of using like wildfire, like hot, hot heat, which I absolutely fucking love to do. And I always say that my culinary spirit animal is Francis Mallman. Mm -hmm. I want also Paul's. Oh, awesome. I, he just stepped away for a second. The, I love super hot fire and cooking beef on that fire specifically. And, you know, there's something poetic to be said, and maybe it's corny, but, like, if we're talking about putting myself on a plate, uh, taking wildfire and taming it, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it, as, as, a, totally. uh, as a fully formed adult male who, you know, had trials and tribulations, like, if we're talking about putting ourselves on a plate and, like, what that looks like, it would be like having this raging fire and then like turning it into something that that people can actually enjoy. (laughs) So that could be any, any number of, of cuts of beef, but it's going to be something that's still, you know, still a little raw in the middle. You know what I'm saying? Like, but has like a, like a hard crust on the outside, like a a solid char. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not even necessarily about like my favorite cuts of meat, but I know that when we had our, housewarming party which was the inaugural negroni party i did a um giant i did like a full i bought a pismo of beef which is the tenderloin with the silver skin and everything connected to it and i i trimmed it up and i ended up putting it in a huge um cryo bag and putting garlic rosemary bay leaves salt pepper and not duck fat foie gras fat in the bag, sealing that sucker up. I sous vide it. It was more about like infusing flavor. Mm-hmm. It was more compression that than cooking. Into it. I yeah. wanted all that to like dance with the, you know, like a leaner cut, which is not fillet's delicious, but to me it's barely barely qualifies as steak. I don't consider that steak unless you get like some A five or something with marbling in it. But what I got was like a very lean Pismo. And then infused all that flavor. And then I had, you know, 30 of my closest friends at my home blasted that thing on the grill until it was charred and rare in the middle because you eat, you eat lean tenderloin rare. I, I'm saying that like declaratively, but it's what I believe. I'm with you on it. 
And then I shucked a bunch of oysters. I ended up, uh, man, we did a lot that day. Actually, I made, I made uh, grilled duck smash burgers with actual foie on it. Mm. And I did like a, some sort of fruit thing, like PB and J, blackberry compote or something. It was fucking. But we did a bunch. Of, and then I did. I shucked oysters, and we had a mignonette. And then I grilled oysters when I was sick of shucking, which I was telling John Whipley the other day. Like, usually when I do oysters at a party, when I get sick of it, I end up throwing the rest of them on the grill and make them shuck themselves. Go shuck yourselves. Go shuck yourself. But, yeah, that would, I mean, that's, that's, that'd be the easy answer for me. It's never really, like, something super composed. If I'm just, if it's a, hey, how do you do? Like, I want someone to get to know a little bit about me and, and how I like to eat. It's going to be dancing with fire and, and using beef. I want all of that. Like, literally, my mouth was watering just listening to you talking about all that. I have such a deep appreciation for... Paul, your mic's not even facing your mouth. No? Face that shit. Am I good? There you go. (laughs) There it is. Titties? Titties. Tootie titties. Uh, I have such a deep appreciation for beef and, like, (laughs) the flavor of beef specifically because I feel like we, as a culture, focus so much on, like, Ribeye, sirloin, filet strip. Fuck right? out of here. And it's like, have you cooked a bavette? Have you cooked a Tucson? Have you cooked a coulette? Like, so many different, uh, and Charles, you like the picana, like, so many cuts, off cuts of steak. If you know how to cook it, mm-hmm. it's so good. It's so much better than uh, ribeye could ever be. And like, well, I don't know if it's better, but there's so much more there. There's so yeah. much more there. Like, flavor-wise, there's just so much more intensity. And it's not... I, I'm not even going to, like, hate on ribeye or strip. That's not the point of this conversation. Sure, sure. The, the point of it is to say that, like... It's a big animal. There's more to <laughs> beef than what big we're animal. giving it yep. credit for. Yeah, it's a big animal. Uh, we don't the, all have to do the same four things. That's the other thing is preparation. You know, yeah. we do a lot of a lot of the same things. Oh, and the respect for butchery and the skill that butchery is, right? Like that that we don't recognize that like a great butcher is gonna get so much out of a cow that doesn't end up being ground mm-hmm. beef. You know what? Like, let's enjoy the steaks yeah. Ooh, that right. are in existence. And yeah, it's been a while since I had like a full primal and and went to work on it, but when you go on YouTube and watch, like, Butcher Brothers and see them when they race each other yeah. and yeah. just, like, the insane level of detail and how they use every yeah. fucking kernel, like, every granule goes somewhere. And, and the parts that go to the grind are not, like, major portions of the cow. It's, like, they're picking various elements and of course they're using lots of chalk and things of that nature, but they're making sure nothing goes to waste. Mm-hmm. It just goes to show that there's like this huge animal and there's so much of it. Like I got a buddy who just got a quarter cow and asked me if I wanted the tongue. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding? Yeah, of course I want the tongue. Yeah. You know, throw that in the bin. I, yes, I want oh, the tongue. Like there's, 100%. there is a lot there. And you know, folks that don't like know three to four pounds of incredible meat. If you braise it right, like, it is literally one of the best flavors that you will find on an animal. And don't use an Instapot or a slow cooker. Actually braise Ooh. it one time. Not like every time. I disagree. 
Just for one time. I like pressure cooking. Like, but you can, no, you can, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Okay. Just now like, I see the point. I making. want you to experience it. Yeah. Like, well, you'll learn more about it. That's yeah. for sure. Again, how, how it's, it, it's about the experience. How it behaves. Yes, yes. Mm, sure. Again, Instapot is great. Like all those things that make your life more convenient, those are beautiful things. What is that process and how does it work? And you can braise on the stovetop. You don't have to stick it in the oven. And you can leave it on the stovetop all day. Recently, I did a braised pork taco. I had it set up, and it was just simple, right? Salted pork with beer and, like, dried chile sauce. I left it on the stove from, like, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. I literally left the building, went for a bike ride, went for a swim, like, enjoyed my life, came back. The house smelled great. Mm -hmm. The pork was falling apart. And it was, you know, I used shoulder, so I, maybe I used an easy cut. But it doesn't require you to, like, give it your full attention. Yeah. But you can understand sure. the process and why you do it. And then yeah. when you're doing the Instapot, you actually, like, you get it, right? You know what you're going Yeah, for. there's a lot of ways to skin a tongue. You, well, yeah, you understand, like, what you're trying to achieve. Well... Actually, it, it ties into my answer uh, because I am currently in the middle of my answer, which is it's hatch chili season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and chili verde is my shit. Mm. I, I, I don't know what it is about that blend of... Yeah, your chili's banging, by the way. Like, oh, hey, cheers. I didn't know you had it. That was, yes. that's, it's one of those things that just makes me feel so happy. And I did this year for the first Were time... So I don't know how much hatch chili you put in there, but were your hatches crazy hot? Uh, like half and half. I didn't, because I don't know how much you put in there, but the, the hatches that Ooh. I got the day you told me, I threw them on the grill and let them almost smoke with like the dying embers, yep. not to digress too much. Yep. And Dewey, uh, my buddy Dewey mm -hmm. came up because we were eating the kofta that I made mm -hmm. and he saw them all and he was like real excited. He's like, can I grab one and eat it? And I was like, yeah, of course. And he like, I was like, grab that one because I just pointed out like a small one. He grabbed it, ripped it off the stem, threw the stem in the yard, and the second he stepped away, he started hiccuping. Yep. And he was like, "Wow, that's hotter than I thought." And I put one on my sandwich, and it was really hot for a fucking hatch. I was so like, I did a I did a half and a half of uh, hot and mild for the batch that you had. So did you uh, discover you got some that were hotter than others? Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. It's like it's like jalapenos. Like you just don't know what you're gonna get. So what I make. But I've it, never had hatches come out this hot. Oh in, yeah, like they were they were really hot. I love it though. I so the last that. two years, it's been the same thing for me. Where uh, literally, like, I'll just scoop out a couple seeds and chew on them, and just see how crazy hot is this going to be. Um, but what I love about doing that, and this year I took it another step further, because I wanted to see how different the flavors would be if I took cheat code route. Or if I went old school. So, bought five pounds of hatched chilies. And I blistered them under the broiler. Uh, then steamed them and pulled all the skins off. And I slow roasted a pork shoulder uh, bone in in the oven for four and a half hours. And then shredded that. I did that in homemade uh, chicken stock with a little bit of homemade pork stock in there. Uh, and then I uh, diced up um, cherry tomatoes and did a full-on chili that way. Mm -hmm. And then in the Instapot, I did a 
like butchered blade cutout, boneless uh, pork shoulder. And then uh, I took the same amount of chilies and put it in there. I used Rotel. And then I did the same amount of spices in both. So it was all of my own spicing in both. And it really did, like, Paul, to your, uh, to your comment, it really did make a difference. Like, that slow-roasted pork was light years ahead. And I even browned, like, I cubed up the boneless pork shoulder, and I browned it on all sides. You definitely and have I, more control. I got the fond in there. Like, I mean, it was, it was pretty solid. And I really, really do love that. But doing it with the slow-roasted pork and then having everything fresh, it, there was just a different level of acid. There was a different level of fat. And to me, that's, that's where I sit. Like, when there's a dish that I love giving people, it's this mixture of super fatty meat, a spicy pepper, the tang and the sweetness of the flesh of the pepper, all of the spices that I add into it, and then a little bit of acid from tomatillos, and actually cherry tomatoes. And I know that some people in New Mexico and Colorado are freaking out that I'm saying that I use cherry tomatoes in it. But honestly, I love the little bit of acid that those tomatoes add to it. And it changes the color considerably. Absolutely. Well. And cooking it down, like, it really does become this beautiful mixture of everything. And that's, like, to me, that's me. It's a whole bunch of really strong flavors all mushed together into something that at least I hope is somewhat palatable. Like I love that. And I'm a chili fan in every regard, white chicken chili all the way down to like Texas, no beans, brick red chili, yeah, McCunt, Carnegie, all that shit. I, I want it all. I want, I want celery all. in my chili, but I'll eat, I'll eat it. It's just like, to me, it's like a lunch soup. It's not chili. Correct. You know? But I'll <laughs> still eat it. That's the thing. Sure. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't care. I love... Like ground, ground beef and, like, celery. And yeah. If you're hungry. Like, Let's go. If I'm hungry, I'll have some, but... I'm Give like, me some eh. fresh tortilla chips, and like, I'll just crush that. What a reflection of your personalities also. Like, but that's it. Like, and you, you love, like... And I, and I can say this as someone who's, like, eaten with you and yep. drank with you on multiple occasions, like... You celebrate bold, unapologetic flavors. 100%. And, and I, like, they're bold, unapologetic flavors that I would never have consumed on my own had I not befriended you. And, like, at the same time, you're also accepting of subtle, expressive... Yeah. So like I've and, and I've selected bottles of wine and food mm -hmm. and whatever in your presence multiple times. And Charles, I, I, I think the same way about the way that you describe what you do, um, I find your your conversation to be very methodical. Like you are very tactile in the things that you do and the things you choose to do. And you do them for a reason, and the reason is sound, and that expresses itself in the final product. And, like, I'm only saying this as someone who is, like, I have not had the privilege of eating your food. I've only seen your food, heard you talk about it, and then mm -hmm. same with, like, beverage. And I, and I have a healthy respect for both because I'm the kind of person who would be, like, put this over the fire. Put this over, you know, like, 
You say I love cooking over the fire. Of course, like of course, if it, everything loves that like experience, right? And if not that experience, then the smoked experience. It's like ovens are ovens are the chef Mike of the nineteen hundreds, right? It's like yeah, really. we're so far away from like really being like you never sat in a cabin and we're like I'm. Cold because there's no way to heat it. Like, right. Well, you know, you sat in a room and been like, uh, the heater doesn't work. I think I think that's it though. Like, you know, one of the reasons that I wanted to bring this question up is because I've watched you both cook over open, very hot flames, and mostly because of where I've lived for most of my formation into my cooking life, I just haven't had the opportunity to fuck around with that but i love it and i love appreciating that and one of the things that i love the most is that i have a community of people around me that will appreciate the food that i cook and will understand hey this is what he's doing but then like when i I, a perfect example of this paul was when i was at your house and um brooke brought over the uh escargot the garlic herb escargot. Yeah. And Paul put them in a cast iron pan over a giant open flame. And then right before they were finished, you went into your garden and you cut off a bunch of chive blossoms and you sprinkled them over the top. And oh, yeah. I would not have thought to do that. And not only did that make it a beautiful, beautiful dish, but it made it so incredibly fragrant and so perfect. And I just thought, like, that was such an expression of who you were. And I I remember just sitting there thinking, like, I've known this dude, like, I'm coming up on 20 years of knowing you. And I got to watch you express who you were as a human being in a cast iron pan, and I love that. And And Charles, I feel that same way about you. Like, when I've had food at your place, like, I am eating who you are, and I love that. And I feel like if there's one thing that I could translate out to everybody, it's cook who you are. Oh, I mean, uh, shout out to Brooke Padre, but that was sort of a... Future guest uh, of the podcast. Isaiah Thomas slash Joe Dumar situation. That was like a a magic Kareem scenario where it's like, I know what Brooke's doing. I know what I have. And I know that like how uh, Brooke Faudry's connection to culinary is something that like not only can I like respect but I can connect to on a spiritual level because she has an equal reverence for ancient French tradition Mm -hmm. where she'll she'll cook something that's like gelatin beef fat with like hard boiled egg in a hard set and serve it to you over a cracker. Mm. And you're going to look at that and say like, Oh, that like, that's like my great grandmother's hors d'oeuvre plate that I don't want to eat. And she'll do it just to, just to experience the process. And that's what I mean sure. about like the braise versus the Instapot is like, if you don't, take the tradition into your like B 
being bringing it, and it's not wrong. There's nothing wrong with mm. using an, an Instapot or an air fryer. But if you've never made a French fry. False equivalency, by the way. But Like, yeah. if you've never made a French fry <laughs> the French fry way. Yeah. If the only way that you've made French fries is bought a frozen bag of potatoes and threw them in an air fryer. And a you've never oven, made yeah. a French fry and you don't know the frustration and aggravation that goes along with making a fucking French fry. Should you be frying them in beef tallow? I don't know. Should you? McDonald's <laughs> says yes. No, sorry. McDonald's say we. <laughs> and McDonald's doesn't even do it that way anymore. Nope. But why do you love a McDonald's fry? Because it used to be fried in beef fat. Yep. Brooke has that appreciation. Yep. She has that love for the culinary that is indescribable other than I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it the right way. I'm going to do it as hard as I can because I love it. And no one else matters. But that's and somebody that's else I, expressing this is who I am in my food. And that's, and that's why that's, I could throw chai blossoms into that plate. Well, because so I know exactly what she's trying to do. And I'm like, I got you. Let's both do it. I yeah. want that. Beautiful ingredient. Yeah. I make chai blossom vinegar. Mm -hmm. I have a Always. lot of friends who saw me do it and ask me how I did it. And they do it now, too. And it's... Every year, Use that my, in your my fucking wife loves the garden, and she's all about gardening tomatoes and cucumbers and squash, and she loves everything, right? Oh, yeah. And she's an amazing gardener. She loves it. She's out there every day tending to it. I'm always like, I need more chives. <laughs> she's like, why? You have six chive plants. I'm like, no, more chives. Because you don't just harvest chives. Yeah. You get chives, you get chive blossoms, you get more chives, you get garlic chives. You got, I'm out there, I use chives from late April to November, literally. It's the most versatile of the It's earth. abundant, yeah. So this year, are you going to be with me for Thanksgiving when I finally make my chive turkey? So we can call it that chive-ass chive turkey? turkey? It's got to happen. Been talking about Laura it for three years. Chive like a, like a, a butter that is just literally loaded with like chives under the skin. Chive and chive blossom minced in butter under the skin All of an entire turkey. It'll look nice. And then we just call it that chive ass turkey. Yeah, why not? Most people don't go hard enough at like the pre salt on the turkey. I'm just going to say Get it. Get like, out. It's because, yeah, it's going to spend so much time like getting your turkey ready to dude, be a turkey. I drive ready that to motherfucker. be. To yeah, taste good at all. That's what I'm saying. Like, salt your fucking turkey. Let osmosis happen. Look Don't at it like you're around. seasoning a fucking car tire, because that's kind of what <laughs> I'm doing. And also, like, room temperature meat. Make it taste right? like, like something. What are you fucking doing with that fridge? Yep. The fridge <laughs> is to prevent. When you're getting ready to cook, get the fuck out the fridge, man. Mm -hmm. Like, I had steak on the counter so many times where people are like, oh, my God, and they put it away, and I'm like... It's oh, not yeah, going to kill no, you today, no, motherfucker. It, no, it would have killed you out. yesterday, yeah. and it might kill you in a month, but it's not killing you today. Yeah, we don't, have a, uh, we don't have a health code rating on the window. You know, we can actually put stuff out for the appropriate amount of time. Oh, yeah. The health inspector came to my house. Unless you got a, unless you got a window tab like Paul. <laughs> if the health the inspector tab, comes <laughs> to my house, the health inspector's walking out limping. He he's not, <laughs> I'm getting a C minus, but he's not going to like it. It's, yeah, people who take oh, a shit. people you who take a chicken breast stable. People take a chicken breast straight out of the fridge and throw it in the pan, and I'm like, 
Good luck, my friend. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be undercooked or overcooked. That's kind of your... Or lizard. weirdly both at the same time. Or like it tightens up and has like that weird snap that no one wants to yeah. experience when or they're fighting Or sometimes I get those like farm eggs where I'm like, I'm not putting this in the fridge. No. No, no, no. Someone would be upset. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. We're all on washed eggs here. So. Clean, not sterile. Folks, that's what we're trying to say. (laughs) Yeah, clean, not sterile. You know what happens when you get sterilized? No more babies. You know what happens when it's clean? You don't throw up. Those are different things. I'm cool with both in my personal life, but for my food, (laughs) it's wildly different. (laughs) Shit. All right. Well, we should probably bring this one back into the train station. I I think we we did. We We nailed it. Yep. Nice. Uh, All right, Paul. Mara is killing it. Four yes. Seasons is killing it. What if you wanted to sell somebody on like coming down there? Like, what would you tell them? Good Just luck. Come down. Yeah. Good luck. But yeah. we are increasing. Hard to get in there. That's what I mean. Not like we are increasing the capacity of reservations that mm. we're going to be able to take because huge staff, lounge area. Staffing is now beautiful lounge area. Staffing is now becoming better. Which we are all super happy about. Still doing breakfast. Doing breakfast. Yes. Doing brunch. Woo! Come visit Minneapolis if you're Soon from... to do lunch, y'all. Yes, let's get we'll it. Come get lunch. And then come have dinner. And we also have a terrace that we never talked about, but it it's is a thing. incredible. There's a fourth floor terrace. Great for drinks. Great for hanging out. Great 11, for to, 11 to 8, right? I think... Yeah, it's like 11 to 7. 11 to 7. Yeah. Oh, it, is that open all day now? Yep. And I will like 100% a, okay. put my flag in the ground that it is one of the most beautiful vistas. And at the fourth floor, you get nothing but breeze. I haven't been up there yet. And no, like, car exhaust. But is that a different menu? Like that's the, a different menu, right? Correct. Like, that's yeah. up correct. there? And the yeah. reality is, like, we're looking to have that thing, like, we're looking to have everything open all the time for everyone. Yeah, I would love so that. That's our goal is yep. just be open and we're working towards that. So beautiful. If you're not sure, please contact us. And how would they contact you? Me specifically? Either or or like the four seasons or you. Let's do both. Yeah, I mean you can call the Mara restaurant and there is uh Someone at the desk that will answer your phone call, or it'll put you through to Mara Reservations. Uh, my Instagram. Get it. Sipping on Hennessy. Girl. Instagram.com. <laughs> you can find me there. Catch me outside. Uh, Instagram.gov. If you're just trying to get a reservation and you can't get one, please contact me and let me navigate those dangerous waters for you. Do you okay, you really want this? Yeah. You want people? Okay. Let's do it. Why not? Why not? I mean, we have a few I, more. We have a few more listeners than the last time you came. Yeah. On. Well, I'm not gonna lie to you. I have a few more listeners that contact me directly. Anyway. Yes. So, uh, if you're contacting me directly, I will do my best to find a spot for you. Love it. Because we are trying to give. The best experience possible. And it's legitimately a, a great experience. 100%. Great food. Beautiful space. Beautiful space. New construction. 
they did it right. It doesn't look like a model townhouse, which is what I often remark about new bars that have like the faux brick. It looks intentional. Mm -hmm. The menu is really smart. I love that, you know, with Spoon and Stable being one of Gavin's other restaurants, being like the classic French Mediterranean, this is like another expression of Mediterranean food and a lot of ingredients and, and dishes that I consider to be like central to who I am as a, a Lebanese man. It's wonderful. And I went there right when they opened when I'm sure it's even better now, but I took, yeah, I took a good friend of mine there for his 40th and we had a wonderful time and I've been there for breakfast. No matter what you order, get them taters, those crunchy oh, fucking potatoes. Make sure you crunch yeah, I mean, upon some chef of them. Tony is a beast of a chef. He's an amazing talent. Super qualified. And I definitely want to say, like, working with Gavin, if you don't know how to be in the restaurant industry and you want to learn, this is the guy. I oh, mean, yeah. Yeah. every day, 24-7, Gavin Kaysen works harder than anyone right now. Like, that guy memorizes the talk profiles of everyone coming into the restaurant at three different restaurants every day. It's, it is, uh, I mean, that's what I'm there to learn. I will also say that even if you maybe are trepidatious or it seems a little expensive to go in for dinner, just go in and hang out at the bar. Uh, one of the best bar experiences that I've ever had three times in a row have been at that bar. Yeah, it's a sizable bar. Incredibly yeah, thoughtful bar. Great menu at the bar. Like, delicious food. Is bar still all walk-in? Absolutely. Yeah, and it's a large... That's the thing I would say is if you can't get a reservation, which is difficult to acquire. And if you're a listener of this program and you're from out of state, whether that's regional, national, international, and via this podcast, you've been enticed to perhaps yeah. visit our fine city. I can think of no finer place to stay. And then you just, if you can't get a reservation at the restaurant, don't let that deter you from staying at the hotel because you can go to the oh, terrace yeah. or go, Walk into go, the to, bar go to the area. bar. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you're, if you're listening to this, come find me. Yeah. Like, don't be afraid. We're here to like make things happen. Do so the damn if you, thing. If you want something and you need something and you're in that hotel, you know who to find. Uh, Charles, do you want to talk about the giveaway we yes. got coming up? Yeah. Our last guest was uh, Matt Dogwillow of Craft Notes, and he was gracious enough to offer us some giveaway materials. Swag bag! Basically, uh, the best way, the, the marketing way to look at this is say, like, we're giving away 45 free drinks. Boom. 45. 45 free drinks. In the Twin Cities, you Hot don't shit. have to. You don't have to live here. It, that maybe, hey, maybe you decide. Yep. Wow, I won this contest. I'm going to schedule some sort of a trip to to the Twin Cities in the coming year. Doesn't matter when you do it. Stay at the Four Seasons. Stay at the Four Seasons. Get a bunch of free drinks. Hang out at the lounge. Make a reservation if you can. Hang out on the terrace. See all the beautiful things we have to offer. And you'll have these three different craft notes books that contain cumulatively, I believe, 40, exactly 45 
complimentary beverages all throughout the cities and you don't have to use them all if you're from out of town if you're from in town and you win then at your leisure help yourself to each of those beverages give it we'll be posting that contest um sometime soon it may actually by the time this episode goes up it may already be up but it's it's uh yeah go ahead and enter yourself into that and again, we just want to thank everybody for listening, and we love you so much. Uh, if you feel like uh, clicking a like or clicking a review or following us on our socials, you can find us everywhere at Libations for Everyone. But uh, again, couldn't be more thankful for Paul for you being here. I love you so much. Paul Lee two thank times. Uh, also, Paul, I have to ask you this question. What a mercy. It occurred to me that uh, we are a year and a half out from our friendship turning 21. Do we take our friendship out for a drink? Do we celebrate the 21st birthday? <laughs> do, we, do, we line, well, do we line up 21 shots? No, we do not. For our 21st birthday. Hashtag celebrate everything. Right? Hashtag celebrate everything. It's a weird excuse, but who gives a <laughs> shit? Why no, the fuck I, not? I think we go to Murray's and we... <laughs> we fuck up some, some filet and some garlic toast points? No, just you, me, at Murray's. Yep. Let's go. And then let's order a bottle, and we'll bring a bottle. Done. And we'll go big. Sold. And I feel like Wayne will... <laughs> we'll figure it out for Make us... <laughs> you will make us whole. Yeah. We'll go there and just get what we need. I feel like I'm only going to spell that H-O-L-E, because I feel like I'll just have to be that person to ingest that <laughs> amount of meat and salt. Mm. But I'm in. Let's go. No Team w. Big Poops. Team, Team Big Poops. Big poops. Uh, <laughs> well, to everybody out there that participates in Team Big Poops, <laughs> we love you so much. Uh, thank you, everybody, and shit, we'll see you next episode. Later! <laughs>